Live from the McDonald's studios, I'm loving it. This is WDVE Pittsburgh. If any day of the weekend, like Saturday or Sunday, I don't make it to 10 o'clock before I say, stop asking me stuff. Don't ask me for anything. Don't ask me about anything. My name is not Dad anymore. <laughs> right. it's, I, it's not. I, I'm running for the hills. Right. Please. God, why can't you be scared of me? Right. <laughs> why won't you be scared of me? It's it's unreal. Case, you know. I, I literally had to it's tell my stop. Jillian, my seven-year-old yesterday, I was like, Jillian, you have to stop talking. Bed <laughs> times in 45 minutes. I can't take another quote, question, nothing. Tell me what you did in school. I do want to know, but I can't take it anymore. Quote? She's just shouting out quotes? She's just throwing quotes at me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's going to be a cold day today with snow developing late in the day. High temperature 24. Periods of snow tonight that will cause tricky travel, but it winds up by first thing Thursday. Thursday, just some early morning snow showers and a high of 29. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 14 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. I'm Val Porter. State senators are honoring New Kensington police officer Brian Shaw. They observed a moment of silence yesterday after being presented a special resolution by Democratic State Senator Jim Brewster of McKeesport. Shaw died November 17th after being shot twice in the line of duty. Suspected killer Ramel Holt is scheduled to be in court today. And tonight at the DVE Morning Show Christmas Party at Jurgles, representatives from First National Bank of Lower Borough will be on hand collecting donations for the family of Officer Shaw. It appears Alabama's next U.S. Senator will be a Democrat for the first time since the early 1990s. With just over 671,000 votes, Doug Jones has bested Roy Moore, who collected about 650,000 votes in yesterday's special election. That was to fill Attorney General Jeff Sessions' old seat. Moore says he's not ready to concede, and there's talk of a possible recount. There would have to be a specific request made for that, though, because Alabama state law only triggers a recount if the results are within a half percent of each other. Jones is famous for prosecuting a pair of KKK members for the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham in 1963. If anything, we know that Roy Moore is not great at counting in general, right? Or horse riding. He's like 16, 20, whatever. It's the same thing. Did you see him come yeah. up on the horse I mean, yesterday? I haven't ridden a horse for a while, but I think I could probably do it better than him. Yeah, I don't think that's how you do it, really. Um, he was riding it kind of all sloppy-like. <laughs> and, I I mean, you know, there's, there's cars now. You can drive right up. You don't uh, have to take a horse. <laughs> but I guess he wanted to choose the mode of transportation that um, was most current with his views. <laughs> Minnesota Governor Mark Dayton will be announcing a successor for outgoing Senator Al Franken today. The move comes after Franken announced his resignation last week after multiple women accused him of sexual misconduct. The Star Tribune reports the governor will appoint Minnesota Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith. That selection means Minnesota will have two female U.S. senators for the first time in history. 
And a Disney music executive is being charged with sexual abuse of a child. 58-year-old Jonathan Healy, the company's longtime director of music publishing, was arraigned last week on felony charges of lewd and lascivious acts involving a 15-year-old and an 11-year-old. The first girl was allegedly victimized from 2004 to 2005, the second from 2006 to 2010. Healy was initially arrested in, in November, then later released on bail. Disney said in a statement last Friday he has been suspended without pay. Hey. Dictionary publisher Merriam-Webster has announced its word of the year for 2017, and it is feminism. Merriam-Webster explains, the word was a top lookup throughout the year with several spikes that corresponded to various news reports and events. The dictionary's editors use a formula that weighs the raw number of lookups with current events to come up with a list every year. The rest of the top 10, complicit, recuse, empathy, dotard, which uh, oh, yeah. the, Kim Jong-un made famous. <laughs> yeah. That is a person of old age, if you forgot. Syzygy, which is a word I've never heard before. It's spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Do you know what that is, Jeff? Oh, that's the thing when you go sled riding and your pants split. Is that what that is? <laughs> You're close. The nearly straight line <laughs> configuration of three <laughs> celestial bodies in a gravitational system as the sun, moon, and earth during a solar or lunar eclipse. Yeah, so, I knew that. I was just so, screwing with you I'm guys. I'm guessing yeah. that was big this summer. Uh, federalism, hurricane, and gaff are also on the list. Gaff as in like, he, like Joe Biden gaff? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. A dying Japanese businessman is saying goodbye in a rather unique way. He invited a thousand guests, including friends, former schoolmates, business partners and employees to a huge party this week. The 80 year old former president of machinery giant Komatsu was diagnosed with gallbladder cancer in October. Satoru Anzaki says, quote, I want to maximize the quality of life during the time I have left. I have decided not to receive treatment given the side effects End quote. For his big party, he rented out a hall inside a Tokyo hotel dedic- uh, decorated with memories of his whole life. Finally, Netflix has released some year-end stats about our viewing habits. The top five shows people devoured, which in their definition, that means watching more than two hours a day. <laughs> American Vandal was number one. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I thought, Randy, yeah, didn't you watch that? I thought you said it said it sort of, you, once you got the premise, you were just like, okay, I got it. like, And that was basically it. Yeah, but, you know, people I respect think there's a whole lot more to it than than I'm giving it credit for, so Mm -hmm. don't take my word. You know, I might have just not been in the mood to watch it. Is is it a documentary or a mockumentary? Mockumentary. Like, it's a... It's It's fictitious. It's along the lines of, like, serial, making murderers, stuff like that, but instead of having those serious topics, it's about a kid uh, who's, like a kind of bully kind of guy in high school and, oh, and yeah. whether or okay, not he drew penises on all the teacher's right. cars in yeah. the parking lot. <laughs> Which is a serious topic that needs to got to get to the bottom. But of. they treat it seriously and they go through all the tropes of the investigation. Yeah, of all the other ones, mm-hmm. but on the level of drawing penises on a car. So they do like all kinds of simulations and stuff and it's all really serious. And so it sounds funny when they're talking you know, in a very serious tone, like he couldn't have drawn the penises on the car there because <laughs> that's when he went to take a dump at the so and so. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. But it's very, it's it's good. It's just see, I, I feel like, like that. I I feel like that if you got the premise, every joke you could it would be so telegraphed that it wouldn't be that funny. That's you what, know I, what I mean. Like, kinda. But a lot of people like that show. A lot mm-hmm. of people like that show. Uh 
That was followed by 3%, which I've never heard of. Never heard of that. Anyone? No. Nope. nope. 13 Reasons Why, and with an E, haven't heard of that either, Mm-mm. and Riverdale. Oh, my God. My my wife watches, she watches Riverdale. What is that? that was, was that on the CW or something? Yeah, Riverdale is basically the dark, moody, teenage uh, takeoff on Archie, the Archie comics. Okay. And she's she's right into it. She was watching Austin's it last Creek night. We were ignoring each other on the couch <laughs> with our separate laptops like most uh, married couples. Oh, yeah. Uh, the top five shows people <laughs> savored. That means they watch less than two hours a day. The Crown, Big Mouth. Neo- Big Mouth is hilarious. It really is. Neo Yokio, another one I've never heard of. A series of unfortunate events and Glow. Glow's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Could be better next year. Uh, yeah, I'll give one more season. You know, if, I you gave it a whole season and didn't like it, and you're giving it a whole nother season. It was okay, man. If, if a season sucks, I'm out. <laughs> uh, that even seems I like generous. the people who are involved. I like Allison Brie. I think she's really funny in it. And uh, Mark, I'm a big Mark Maron fan, mm-hmm. and oh, I yeah, think he's Mark's a better great. actor than he's a, anything else. And I wish he'd act more. Mm. Um. And it's, you know, the pedigree's good. Like, Genji Cohen and everyone that's involved in that show, you just keep thinking, like, it's got to get good. It just took too long to develop to the part I liked, which was the genesis of that ladies' gorgeous wrestling ladies league. Wrestling. The, top the five gorgeous shows. ladies of, of wrestling. wrestling. Glow. The top five shows that made us cheat, meaning people watched them ahead of their significant other. Oh. Narcos, Ooh. 13 Reasons oh, yeah. Why, Stranger Things, Orange is the New Black, and Sense8. Stranger Things was really, really hard not to watch without Serena because she has a very specific time that she can watch shows, which is after the kids are is asleep, and I can watch all day long. <laughs> Have you had that happen where where they cheat? Your Serena oh, yeah. skipped ahead of you. Yeah, my wife when she was pregnant the first time around started watching Parenthood. It was that NBC show, and it was re- it was basically like This Is Us before This Is Us. Like it yeah. was overly emotional, like mm-hmm. sob fest every single time. So I start just tangentially watching a couple as it's on TV, and then I get drawn in. So then we get on the on-demand schedule, and she's home, so she's plowing through them, and I'm catching them every time. And she goes, "Do you want to sit down and watch the season finale or the series finale?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I'll, I'll do it," because I know what's about to come. It's going to be cry fest. So sure enough. Three different times they're trying to. I, I kept saying it's like they were trying to batten the doors down with a like a battering ram. Like somebody got adopted, boom. And I was like, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. And then somebody like died, boom. Like I'm not gonna cry. Not gonna cry. And then the third time, so I forget what it was that happened. I am on the couch like laughing because I'm crying so hard. I'm like, oh, this stupid show. And I look over at my wife and she's not crying at all. And I'm, and she cries at everything. So I'm like, what? I, I, the show's over. I'm like, I can't believe you didn't get emotional at that last part. And she goes, I watched it yesterday. <laughs> and I go, oh, you. Uh, boom. <laughs> I was so pissed at her. I was like, you couldn't have offended me more at that point. Oh, I did cry really hard the first couple times I saw it. I didn't share that experience with you. Hey, do you ever make the decision that uh, your wife is not going to want to watch it? And she's like pretending oh. to take one for the team. And so you just go, you know what? She doesn't really want to watch this. I'm going to watch a bunch of these. And then when you tell her, she's like, yeah, I don't, I didn't want to watch it. Like, yeah. Oh no, we, that happened with big little lies that happened. Like I thought, oh, Tim's never going to want to watch this. 
Yeah. Like, so did you watch it? Three quarters of the way through, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this show, this big little lies. He's like, so am I. Uh, <laughs> you were oh watching God, it separately? Really? I never thought you would want to watch that. <laughs> That's very funny. It's like Me you guys too. decide to cheat on each other, make dates, and then realize it's you made a date it's with each other. It's the Pina Colada song. And you show up at the same bar. I always feel like that's what's the problem with like just the on-demand culture is in general is because no one can share an experience anymore. There's like no who shot Jr. like everyone waiting because now yeah. when you start Stranger Things or you start Stranger Things now you're on offset schedules. Yeah. You can't talk about it because you're ahead or you're behind or something like that. That's what, what oh, I know. sucks I hate about it. it. Uh, yeah, and the other thing that sucks about that too is if you you binge watch the whole season, you have to wait like a year and a half yeah. for the next season. Yep. So then you have to. Like Ozark doesn't come out until next summer, I think. I know. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch the whole season. We again. we loved Ozark. We loved Westworld. I don't know when the second season of that is coming out. They were like shooting it, and then I saw some headline that one of the uh, cast members got really hurt on the set, mm-hmm. so they just stopped production. So I don't know if that's even gonna come out. It's just it's so weird. Serena did that thing. Where she's like, oh, I don't, I don't really care about that with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and it drove us apart for a while because <laughs> Game of Thrones is not like a just a casual watch. That's you don't just walk away from Game it, of Thrones. It's a it's a lifestyle, and <laughs> and now we're, we've started it back, and we're like two or three episodes in on the whole series, and she's hooked, and I'm watching it again, and it's it's cool because I understand stuff. Like, whereas the first time around, I was like, what uh, are what? they talking yeah. about? The top five shows that brought us together, uh, meaning people watch it in a group or as a family, Stranger Things, 13 Reasons Why, A Series of Unfortunate Events, Star Trek Discovery, which was a CBS show that's on Netflix for international audiences, and Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. Okay, here's my question about that category. How do they know that we're watching it together? Is it a survey? Because the other ones you could just pull from Netflix's data, like how right. long right. they're watching it. So it how do they know there are more survey, people yeah. gathered around a television? Have you seen Stranger Things yet, Val? Yes. Okay. You loved it, right? No. You didn't love it. I'm not in a, I'm not a sci-fi fan. I didn't. I thought it was good, but what I never would have like watched the, it. What about just the look of it, the feel of it, like it's the good. 80s no, it's, stuff? It's well Aesthetically, done. it's so much fun. Yeah, and the music. It really feels like an 80s great. movie. Yeah. I, I loved it, and I'm not a big sci-fi person. I wouldn't have watched it if Tim hadn't watched it. I just watched it because... You felt tethered. I thought we should do something together. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> now we might as well do this together. <laughs> it's snowy, affordable. <laughs> snowy today, mid-20s for the high. It is 14 degrees at DVE. For the last time in 2017... Mr. Wednesday joining us on the DV Morning Show. Shame. Yes. Oh, very Christmassy. I'm not going to cry. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. cry. Boom. And you're looking Mr. Wednesday. Yes, you're looking for Mr. Wednesday. I like it a lot. Yep, that's uh, Mr. Wednesday. <laughs> Jeff Conkle is here. I am fighting this damn cold. It's the worst. Well, you guys every? are at the finish line right now. We are at the finish line. You just got to make it through like another like 12 hours, basically. Yes. It's every year during the, the Christmas show, someone is sick. 
It's been me a couple times. I missed one. Or did I? I, did, I missed did one really? too. Yeah. This is right when everybody ago. starts to get sick every year. <laughs> and uh, uh, sick of each other in a way. And it's <laughs> probably. Your resistance is breaking down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on Run into the ground. We're just because the, the, the schedule is just crazy that right now. It's crazy. I have to say, four Steeler night games out of the last five games. It's just a lot for it's brutal. To, I mean, Mike Pursuta, God bless him. Oh, man. I don't know how he's done it because uh, that's a lot of not sleeping. It's four all nighters. But uh, look, now they got the Patriots coming into town this weekend. It helps that those were four and, wins, too, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, good that point helps by a you. lot. Yeah, it made it a lot more palatable, no doubt about it. Michael, have the latest on the Steelers and Coach Tomlin's press conference from yesterday. Uh, we've got a full show. Dave Bracey's coming in at 645 to talk about their big New Year's Eve showcase going on. Him and John Evans and Wally Barham. Uh, and uh, that is the Biome. Yeah. Uh, Sean Collier. Reviews Star Wars, Last Jedi today. So that's uh, 7.15. Meryl Hodge will be on the show. 7.45. Meryl's, Meryl's pissing people off lately. Meryl's oh, getting what's under, Meryl doing? He's just getting under people's skin, I'm saying. On on the show. Here on the show. Oh, yeah. Is he calling from a tree stand today? I don't know. We'll find out. Also, Know Your Enemy segment. Andy Hart, editor of Patriots Football Weekly and Patriots.com. Why don't we get Trenny? We should have just got Trenny. Well, maybe we'll, her we'll still get Trenny, yeah. Um, that's eight forty-five. Does Slack know Trini? No, probably not. I call one eight hundred. Get Trini. <laughs> Make sure you say Trini, not Trini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Spelling is imperative on that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mike's coming in with your sports next. Jeff, you still your jacket on? It is cold outside. Yeah, it though. takes Freezing. me a while to get my core temperature yeah. back up. So I'm going to be sitting here like a little old lady. You want my space heater? No, I need a shawl right Dude, now. Jeff is crossing streams today. You got to tell him. He brought in yeah. two buckets. <laughs> my, my two buckets. I got some polyurethane in here. It got to warm up before I bring it back in the car. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, is that what's yeah, going it's, on? It's not popcorn. That's polyurethane. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want it to get cold. Can't get cold. It can't Otherwise, it won't get, get set up. Oh, can't let that polyurethane get all cold and... and uh, Tacky. Tacky. All gummy. All tacky. Uh, all right. Mike was, uh, is coming in next with a sports update for you here on the DVE Morning Show. Uh, and uh, we'll remind you that the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week is Bella Note in the Strip. $3.16 ounce Bud Light drafts during Saturdays and Sundays. Bella Note in the Strip. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. What's going on? Sports are brought to you by AT&T. The countdown to Steelers-Patriots on Sunday has officially begun, and if the Steelers follow the lead of their head coach, they will be ready to take on New England Sunday at Heinz Field. Mike Tomlin meeting the media yesterday and embracing the hype, embracing the magnitude of the game as it relates to the regular season and encouraging as much buildup as humanly possible. Here's Mike Tomlin. Man, I, I I love it. You know, um, it's good to be in big games. It's better to be in big games than ones that nobody's watching. You know, um, we we better we better be appreciative of of this spot and not resist it in any way, but embrace it um, because this is what we've been fighting for since March. You know, to be in these type games against these type people, 
Um, why would you fight that? Um, it's an awesome thing. I love that. I love that. Why? It's such a change of pace. Why not? Right? Yeah. And that's why he said what he said three weeks ago to Tony Dungy. They've been working on this since March. This team, this game, for the regular season. There, there are bigger ones ahead, but this is as good as it gets in regular season football. The Steelers and no the doubt. Patriots fighting for the AFC, the top spot on the ladder. Late in the year. And you get them at home. There's none of that. Finally, some truth. Yeah, none of that. Uh, it's one game James out of James Franklin. Yeah. Uh, you guys make too much of it. Beating the Patriots We're, is like beating Akron. Yeah. You know. Rutgers is a good football team. Just honest to God emotion and anticipation and excitement. And uh, Tomlin was in such a good mood yesterday. He even uh, got just a little bit self-deprecating as it related to questions as to how Martavis Bryant did on kickoff returns uh, against yeah. Baltimore. Oh, Questions that everybody already knew the answers to <laughs> yeah. because Martavis Bryant did horribly on kickoff returns against Baltimore. You know, we'll keep working. You know, um, you guys wondered why you hadn't seen him before recent weeks. Now you know. <laughs> uh, we'll keep working. Um, it's been a nice shot in our arm. Uh, it's provided a, 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 a something else for other people to defend. It's been a way of getting him the ball. Um, a little bit more. Um, we'll keep working and see where the road leads us. Well, it's not too often he takes a good-natured shot at one of his players after a poor performance. I know. I hope Martavis can take it. That's a great point. I mean, if it was a shot at his receiving abilities, I think he would have been more careful. But because it's a fish-out-of-water type thing a little bit for him, yeah. a really super tall fish with a huge torso out of water. <laughs> Who, as somebody said in the press box the other night, returns kickoffs the way... Gregory Polanco plays right field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of potential there, but also yeah. just He did not... have the one that went all the way that came back a couple games ago. Um, he's fast. But that uh, to me, that's just another little glimpse into where Tomlin is mentally right now. He, right. He's loving this. He, and I, I think this is a team that feeds off his energy and his attitude and and kind of mimics that one way or another, mm-hmm. and uh, he is bouncing off the walls, man. And do you think that that's because in the games that they've lost in years previous, they won this year and still have the opportunity to work and get better with a W? I think it's because they're competitors and they've been waiting on this game since March. And it's and they're in a position where it, it actually means a lot. And it's, it, it means a lot, but in a way, it's also kind of an exploratory thing. You can find out where you are relative to them, and it's not a season ender. If it doesn't go well, you have time to fix it. You have time to learn from it. You have time to adjust to it. And then if it goes well, you beat them, and you probably end up home for the playoffs. That's kind of what I think about this is that it's going to be hard to do anything but split the series. So in a way, I feel like whoever wins this game is doomed for the playoffs if we if we happen to meet. I guess that's looking too far ahead. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. I've been doing it all year. He's been doing it. Uh, you know, they, I just did it, and I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> you still got to get there. I mean, the Steelers did yeah. get their ass kicked by Jacksonville. Uh, Baltimore. Right, don't was, look past the first Baltimore round. Baltimore was yeah. a worthy opponent last night. You don't know how this stuff's going to play out, but the AFC looks a lot more like a two-dog fight than the NFC, that's for sure. Steelers-Patriots coming up on Sunday. As far as the uh, availability, uh, Mike Tomlin also said yesterday that it's time to start having 
a Joe Hayden discussion. Hayden is going to practice this week. They're going to see what he can do, how much he can do, and how well he can do it, and then make their decisions based off all that. But uh, he's at least uh, a possibility to return against New England Sunday. Vance McDonald's shoulder, Cody Sensabaugh's shoulder, Tyler Matikavich's shoulder, all those guys. Uh, Got to wait and see what unfolds this week. With Joe Hayden, Hayden back is Hayden huge. would be a little bit of an emotional shot in the arm, too. Yeah. And forget about emotions. Just from an ability standpoint at the position, There's that that's too. a hell of an upgrade. Assuming he's right. Now, if he can play, they ought to keep him under wraps and do the warm-up and do the anthem. And then just before they're ready to line up for kickoff, have Joe Hayden trot out of the tunnel. <laughs> oh, one more player. What's that? Bong. Bong. Fog coming out. <laughs> he just takes off a Cody Sensabaugh jersey, and it's Hayden underneath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tomlin also talked about his visits with Ryan Shazier yesterday uh, and said that Shazier wants to talk about the game plans, how things are going in practice. Said Tomlin, quote, he wants to talk specifically about what is transpiring in practice settings and so forth. That's Ryan. So he's apparently at least uh, doing well in spirit. Penguins getting ready for uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday night. And uh, chances uh, are looking as if they're going to see an old friend of theirs when uh, they take the ice in Vegas. Marc-Andre Fleury (laughs) returned to the ice last night after a long uh, absence due to a concussion. Las Vegas lost to Carolina 3-2 in a shootout. But uh, Marc-Andre Fleury... Telling Jason Mackey of the Post Gazette that uh, he's going to try to beat the Penguins on Thursday night. Specifically, quote: "I'd like to do my part to beat them. I still have a lot of friends on the team. That would be nice to see them try to do good. They're a good team. They're the champs. It's a good challenge for our team. Maybe he can finally score that goal he's been meaning to his whole career, and really beat us. I would have watched this game with Prasuda just to." Just to get the the take on it the whole time, just to see the face off, or are you not? You don't even think this is a big deal. I mean, it is for the Penguins. Yeah, it is for the fans. Because I feel like you've been letting some air out of the fl- the flurry Murray balloon for a while, or trying to, I but just, people keep pumping it back up. Yeah, the, the whole flurry thing to me, when he was the starter, the established starter, he took way too much crap. And then later in his Penguins tenure, I think he got way too much credit, particularly last year. Mm. Um, he was the backup the last two years. Matt Murray was the start. I don't know why people have a hard time acknowledging that. Well, there was a commercial that we all loved. and like He's yeah. flurry. He's cute. I mean, it's nothing against flurry, but... Nothing against you. For some reason, people haven't been able to correctly perceive where he is you know everybody wanted him run out of town when right. he was when he was a pretty good starting right, goalie right. and then when he was no longer the starting goalie because they had a better guy a lot of people still wanted him to didn't be the starting on. goalie like, yeah. I just I, I didn't get it but hey you know sports are supposed to be fun, fun. you like what you like and uh, go fly I, I'm, I'm curious what these people do uh, Thursday night you know all the the Flurry faithful. Do they uh, pray at the altar of the visiting goaltender? Do they still root for their team? 
They have one of those half and half jerseys. Do they hope for a scoreless tie? <laughs> <laughs> I I think that this is different than watching Sid play for Canada. Ultimately, they want their team to to win. Yeah. And which they know. don't when they watch Sid play for Canada because their team is the United States of America. Right. But a lot That's of That's another argument. Another thing that drives me nuts. Because people like to see Canada beat the United States if it means Sid has a good game. Yes. Penguin fans specifically. Yeah. Huh. That one gets under your skin. I, I get it. It's not a world war. That one makes more more sense. Well, it's me. all we got, Randall. You know, it really is all a, we got. It's the next best thing. To a world war? <laughs> <laughs> the next best thing. <laughs> Look, the next next best thing to genocide. I mean, we could take a good hockey match. Don't get me wrong. We could take out Halifax. Wouldn't even break a sweat. Right. I'd rather beat them three to two in overtime. Got a point. Mike Pursuta, sports on DVE. Val, top of the hour. What do you got? Well, the man flu is a real thing, and we'll talk about that coming up. Snow today, mid 20s for the high. It's 14 degrees now at DVE. Uh, no, I mean, we got All Star Pittsburgh Comics coming in here now with Dave Bracey joining us next. It's Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle in the studio as well. We'll talk with Dave about his upcoming New Year's Eve comedy showcase at the Biome, part of the first night, uh, I'm guessing. And uh, hey, it's our Christmas party tonight at Jurgles. Show starts at 7 o'clock. Doors are at 6. And it's it's a, uh, what do you call it? What's a whiz banger? No, that's not it. Hoot Nanny? Hoot Nanny. Because mm-hmm. that YP had a Hoot Nanny. Ours has got to be something else. It's a, some kind of show that starts with an S. Yeah. <laughs> a bleep show? Yeah. Oh. But in a good way. And we're all riding horses in, right? It's a seasonal show, yes. We're all going to Roy Moore style. Seasonal show, <laughs> yes. yes seasonal right. show. Roy Moore style. We're all going to like pretend to know how to ride a horse. That would be cool. We should do that. <laughs> Going into the show. How about, how about that old pedophile trying to ride a horse <laughs> to the polls yesterday? But not creepy at all. Instead of the four horsemen, we could be the four horses. <laughs> well, uh, you'll have that yeah, tonight. We'll come for in on sure. a donkey. <laughs> It's the DVE Morning Show, and coming up on New Year's Eve, first night downtown in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of stuff going on, uh, and there's a hell of a comedy show going on here to talk about. It's our friend Dave Bracey. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm Dave. good. I'm good. So, yeah, all right. You're you're uh, you're here as part of the... There's like a, a Pittsburgh uh, uh, power triumvirate of, of uh, comedy <laughs> here with you, Bill, and Jeff Conkle. But uh, you've got quite the show set up New Year's Eve at the Biome for uh, first night. Tell us what's going on there. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Highmark First Night Pittsburgh. Um, it's produced by Pittsburgh Cultural Trust uh, in conjunction with the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival. Um, we'll be down there at, uh, at um, the Biome Theater. Um, December 1st, if people don't know what first night is, <laughs> yeah. December 31st. Um, so we got, uh, we've got a bunch of shows. Um, we've got three shows, stand-up shows. Um, I'll be hosting them. Wally Barham out of New York will be featuring. Uh, she did the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival, opened up for W. Kamal Bell, and had a standing ovation wow. by the time she got off stage. Wow. Um, and then we've got uh, Pittsburgh favorite uh, John Evans uh, closing that out. So there's three shows. Nice. Um you know, uh, 45 minutes each, and then we have improv, and then we have improv workshops at the uh, Fulton Mini Theater um, next to the uh, Biome Box Office. So it's a, you know, it's a huge night. Um, super excited. Are what? tickets available for that workshop? Because people always hit us up and say, like, hey, you know, I want to get into comedy, or I want to, I want to try comedy in some form or fashion. 
Can can they still sign up for that? Yeah, they um they can sign up for that. Uh, if you're looking for that, that's trustarts.org slash first night pgh. Um, you know they're all available. Uh, I don't know if you guys know how the the system works, but you get like buttons, and then mm-hmm. you know with those buttons you get to choose uh, you know events. Like the event you go into. Uh, yeah, the events that you go into. So yeah, I mean you just get the buttons at uh trustarts dot um, <laughs> trustarts dot org slash first night pgh. Um, get your buttons and then uh you know choose comedy. So, um, is it a family thing? You guys have to stay PG. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> that's, we gotta stay PG. We gotta stay radio friendly uh, on stage. Um, last year we uh, we had uh, Ed Bailey and Sean Collier do it, um, and nice. all of the uh, all of the so- shows sold out. Folks enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I managed to host it without uh, dropping any f bombs. That's good. <laughs> this is a feat of strength I was for you. Just I, 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 I've seen your act, and that, I, that, can't, some... I can't picture it. It's, it's, it's only because of these appearances that I'm able yeah. to do. <laughs> How did Ed get through it? Oh man, I mean it was it was crazy because we were sitting there like you know beforehand, and he's like, "So we can't say any," and I'm like, "Yeah, no." He's like, "Ooh, this is gonna be," and I think he just kind of mumbled through him. So that, <laughs> yeah, but, but shows were sold out. You said last year, yeah, they I mean all, all of them sold out last year, and because of that, they uh, they doubled the uh, capacity. We were in Kappa last year, we're in Biome this year, um, and they doubled the budget, and that allowed me to go out and get Wally Barham to come in from New York and. And, uh, you know, bringing in John Evans and whatnot. So we're super excited about that. So how are things going on the Drinking Partners podcast with you and Ed? Uh, they're, they're, they're amazing, man. Uh, we won um, uh, Best of the Berg uh, City Paper nice. again. Uh, so that's two years in a row. Uh, we have Contra Theater going on. That's been going on for a little over a year now. Um, we'll continue that the last Saturday of the month down at uh, uh, Contra Theater in Cranberry. That's uh, a fun show, man. That's yeah. a great venue. I, I love that venue. I love that theater. Um, we're also doing a monthly show down to Arcade Comedy Theater uh, starting January 20th in their main stage. So that'll be a monthly show downtown. So you don't have to drive all the way out to Cranberry to see us. And uh, You got yeah, your we, Mead, the Apis Mediary yeah, too? Yeah, they got Apis Mead, uh, the Hurry Up and Say Something Funny. We do that um, on a monthly basis. Uh, Apis Meat is opening up a new spot, um, and we will be down there in February to uh, open that up for them. They built a stage for us uh, for nice. comedy. Whoa, yeah. really? Moved into a <laughs> yeah. bigger venue, wow. right? Moved into a bigger venue. They actually built Moving a stage that for comedy. Um, so we will be down there uh, you know, on a monthly basis and bringing comedy to Apis Meat down in Carnegie. Bill and I were just talking about, like, you guys, you have managed to build, like, an actual brand of comedy in this city, which yeah. is unbelievable, <laughs> like something that people can actually latch onto, and they know if they're going to go to right. a drinking partner right, show, like it's going to be dope. Yeah. Oh well, we appreciate that. I just, you know, I'm always just like biting my nails and hoping like people even know who we are. So, well, no, you guys, you first of all, you guys are lovable, but then also, you you know how to curate a lineup. So, you know, you're friends with the best comics in the city. So. Every time I see a show you guys are producing, I'm like, damn, look at that lineup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we've been fortunate enough. I mean, honestly, like I came into comedy um, when a lot of, you know, really great folks were starting out. Um, and, you know, this comedy scene has been, you know, very uh, nurturing, you know, for comics uh, in general. You know, when I go to different cities and I talk to, you know, different comics from, you know, New York, L.A. and, you know, Miami, whatever, they're, they're always saying that, you know, they, it's, it's highly competitive. They can rarely get stage time. It's always, you know, these politics, whereas, you know, 
know, when I got into the comedy, you know, me and Ed, we got in, um, we were getting on stage five, six nights a week. Um, you know, sometimes two or three nights, uh, you know, I mean, two or three times in an evening, um, a lot of stage time. And we were, you know, given a lot of opportunities to develop. Um, and, you know, shout out to DVE, uh, you know, for also cultivating to lo the local scene. I mean, without you guys as a signal boost, you know, we can't really do a lot of that we do. So appreciate well, you guys for having uh, us. Easy to push a good product, man. Yeah. You guys are uh, going to be performing once again at the Biome Theater on New Year's Eve, part of First Night Festivities. Uh, the showcase at the Biome with John Evans, Wally Barham, and, of course, you, Dave Bracey. You'll be hosting the whole uh, thing. And once again, trustarts.org. Get your tickets there. The full lineup for, for uh, First Night is usually right there on the website. Make mm -hmm. sure you find out uh, where to go uh, for this comedy show. The Biome Theater, that's where you go. There. You don't <laughs> yeah, have to find yeah. out. Yeah. Get awesome your button. Day. Choose comedy. All right, man. You got anything else going on between now and then? Nope, that's about it. Some sleep and some uh, present buying. I hear you. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right, B, we'll give our best to Ed, too. Yeah, How's Merry his Christmas. recovery? Everything coming good? He's, he's good. He's, 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 on, uh, he's on stage. He's working. Good. All right, man. Glad to hear it. If you haven't yet, check out their podcast, too, Drinking Partners Podcast. You know, we had Marta on in here yesterday, and, uh, you know, people, uh, I think, are now just starting to realize how great the Pittsburgh podcast scene is as compared to the national level, much like the comedy scene, you know. Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to draw those parallels, like, oh, wow, there's some really entertaining stuff being generated yep. right here. Yeah. So, uh, good deal. I mean... I mean, on a big scale is what yeah. you know, I'm trying to say. So, uh, And uh, you've certainly been at the forefront of that. All right. Good seeing you as always, man. Thank you. All right. Val has news when we come back. What are you talking about? We'll talk about the man flu. It's a thing. I, fe I think I have it right now. <laughs> the one that won't go away because we're being wimps. Uh, Sean Collier uh -oh. reviews the new Star Wars. Is. I know what this is, Val. It's man-hating. She just gave it away. She's yep. doing a little man-hating. Yep. Uh, Merrill Hodge, 745. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Live from the McDonald's studios, I'm loving it. This is WDVE Pittsburgh. Do you ever make the decision that uh, your wife is not going to want to watch it and she's like pretending oh. to take one for the team and so you just go, you know what, she doesn't really want to watch this. I'm going to watch a bunch of these. And then when you tell her, she's like, yeah, I, don't, I didn't want to watch it. Like... Yeah. Oh no, we that happened with Big Little Lies that happened. Like I thought, oh, Tim's never gonna want to watch this. Yeah. Like. So did you watch it? Three quarters of the way through, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this show, this Big Little Lies. He's like, so am I. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you were oh watching God, it separately. Really? <laughs> I never thought you would want to watch that. <laughs> That's very funny. It's like Me you guys too. decide to cheat on each other, make dates, and then realize it's you made a date <laughs> with each other. It's the Pina Colada song. You show up at the same bar. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after seven at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's going to be a cold day today with snow developing late in the day. High temperature 24. Periods of snow tonight that will cause tricky travel, but it winds up by first thing Thursday. Thursday, just some early morning snow showers and a high of 29. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 14 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by McDonald's. I'm loving it. I'm Val Porter. North Korea may be getting ready for another nuclear weapons test. Recent satellite images show heavy activity at North Korea's nuclear test site. Experts at the Washington think tank 38 North say the images suggest tunnel excavation is underway at the test site as North Korea prepares for future weapons tests. Pyongyang Radio also reportedly broadcast secret coded messages over the weekend. Similar broadcasts have been heard before North Korea's previous weapons tests.
White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says there's no way President Trump threw a sexist smear at Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. President tweeted yesterday that Gillibrand is a lightweight who begged him for contributions and would quote unquote do anything for campaign money. Sanders insisted Trump has used the same terminology about male politicians. Gillibrand said it was a sexist smear. Elizabeth Warren said the president was trying to, quote-unquote, slut-shame Gillibrand. I think that... Sorry, Jeff. Is that possibly an overreach? That seems like if like she'd do anything for campaign contributions. I feel like that's reading into it to, to assume... I guess it's because... Although he has quite a track record uh, yes. of, of that type of thing. It's, but I it, feel like it has, on its face, that seems uh, like a little bit of a stretch to me. I mean, it, it probably is. But I mean, this is the same... It's the same kind of comment as bleeding out of her wherever. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. sort of like, all right, well, is it, is it that big of a jump? It's not right. a good precedent set prior to that. And he's the president. Well, yeah, it... it when you have to Let's debate have the, the meaning dignity. of it, if the if they if it's in question, you've already got a problem. And with him, it's in it's question. question. So-called <laughs> Grinch bots are snapping up the hottest toys and putting a financial squeeze on parents this holiday season. Consumer expert Edward Dworsky tells NBC's Today Show the same technology that allows scalpers to snag concert tickets is now being used to gather up Christmas toys. Cyberbots can check for toys online every few seconds, allowing the bots to snatch up must-have toys long before the average consumer can even fill out their name. For instance, online Scrooges are buying up Barbie Hello Dreamhouse uh, that retails for about $300, but then they resell it online for $1,700. Oh, wow. Oh, come on. New York Senator Chuck Schumer is calling for an end to cyberbots along with urging retailers to crack down on the practice. Yeah, I had heard of that happening. Like that that happens a lot with shoes cuz my my brother's a sneakerhead, so like anytime a shoe comes out, there's these bots that just go out and just buy swaths of of the shoes cuz they're only come out in a limited edition and then it's they're considered dead stock, which means they only released a certain amount. Mm-hmm. There's no more available. So the price just goes way up, especially on like Yeezys or or Jordans, you know, like an exclusive pair of of uh, Jordan ones or Jordan fours or something like that. And there's a secondary market that's just astronomical. But toys, come on! I feel like you have to be a real certain type of scumbag to pull off this <laughs> kind of caper. Like you have to have a pencil thin mustache and an eye patch yeah. like level yeah. to to be doing this. <laughs> Feeling downer sick, boys? Well, it could be the man flu. A Canadian researcher says it's real. Research published in the BMJ Medical Journal says men are more susceptible to complications than a woman. Plus, a man's immune system may just naturally be weaker. The term man flu is sometimes (laughs) used for men exaggerating their symptoms when sick from a cold or other minor illness. Other scientists say there's too little evidence to say man flu actually exists. But this doctor says men suffer from symptoms that are worse. They last longer and uh, you're more likely to be hospitalized and even more likely to die from the flu. Can you send me a link to this article? (laughs) (laughs) Next time I get a sniffle and I'm laid up for three days, I can actually cite scientific (laughs) research to to get me out of stuff. I'm a man. I can't take the... Garbage out. <laughs> Rutgers has a study. <laughs> well, how about something sweet and something to feel good about this morning? Peyton Madden of uh, El Dorado, Kansas, is your average 11 year old boy, except oh. for one thing he has a rare genetic disease that makes him allergic to sunlight. 
The condition does not allow his skin He's to Irish. repair. <laughs> doesn't allow its skin to, his skin to repair itself after being exposed to the sun. So that means Peyton spends a lot of his time indoors. And when he does go outside during daylight hours, he has to wear protective clothing over every inch of his skin. Oh, man. While the residents of El Dorado decided to get together and give him a fun day outside. So they teamed up with National Organization for Rare Disorders so they could create a special day for Peyton. They turned the nighttime into the daytime. So he got to play outside with any of his gear. He didn't know what was happening until he rode his bike into town and he was greeted by every member of the community. They all showed up to give him a, a day that he would never forget. Even though it was at night, he got to ride his bike. They opened the community pool and had a nighttime pool party after wow. dark. That's so nice. Uh, <laughs> so emotional. They just, they just nice. uh, wanted to give him a, a day like any other kid can enjoy outside. In music news, U2 is celebrating their eighth number one album. Let's not look any further into that story. Let's <laughs> yeah. just enjoy it yeah. right Don't, where it landed. You know who funded that? Roy Moore. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely what happened. <laughs> his his father, Grand Wizard Daryl. <laughs> U2 celebrating their eighth number one album. Their latest songs of experience hit the top spot last week on the U.S. Billboard chart. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones are the only two other bands to have eight or more. U2 is the only band in history to have a number one in four successive decades. Can I tell you, I I uh, thought U2, I used to roll my eyes at U2, like, because they, I guess they were just getting pushed, like, especially when they were uploaded into the new iPhone. I was like, come on, like, are they really that good? Get I went back phone. and looked at a greatest hits and, like, 20 out of 20 were just absolute beyond classic Home songs. Home runs. Oh, songs. definitely. They are incredible. Yep. They uh, that new song. So they played live on Saturday Night Live last weekend, and I always think about them in sort of uh, of two minds. I'm a big U2 fan. I think what they've done has been incredible, and I think that if anything, they've aired constantly on trying to be relevant to on trying to sound like today all the time. They never want their sound to be dated. Old. Which is why this one like starts off with like this like slam poetry thing, and I was you know when I first heard it I'm like see this is the stuff that kind of drives me crazy because this is not what I think of when I think of you too. But then when you step back and you think like all right well it's not for me to say as an artist or as artist this is the message they want to get across. They're always gonna be on you know fighting for the oppressed people. And some in their minds, like the best way to do this is to include these different types of like, you know, pastiche art forms into our music all the time. And so, you know, it's kind of like, remember when KRS-One did radio song with R.E.M.? I'm like, ah, I don't know. This one, they don't seem like two bands that go together, you know, but for some reason, Walk This Way and uh, Run DMC was like, all right, that's a great fit. Right, and even looking back on it, like if you think that that was so quintessentially 90s that it had to have been contemporary at the time because you, you reflect on it and think like that embodies what that time period was. Right, right. So I was kind of like down on it, and then I listened to the whole song, and I was like, you know what, that's a rockin' tune. And it kind of reminds me of like Elevation, and I remember when I first heard Elevation again and thinking like that album, the those two albums they put out back-to-back, -back, which was that uh, All That You Left Behind or whatever, and the one that had uh, Octung Baby, maybe I'm thinking of. Like They had a ton of badass songs on those albums, and they were already past the point of you know where most people most bands are relevant and they just mm -hmm. rest on their right. laurels like i don't know how far into their career those albums were but i would argue 
they're equal to the Stones in terms of albums that were relevant and hit big like deep, time deep into their career, late yeah. into their career. Well, and they wrote four the, decades. They wrote the score for Spider Man. Don't touch me there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you want to talk about relevancy? Spider Man, turn off the lights. Or what was yeah. it called? What was it? The Spider Man. Spider Man, who's in my mouth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 terrible Broadway experience. <laughs> The class of 2018 <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees will be revealed today. Bon Jovi was in the lead as of last night when the annual, uh, last week rather, when the annual fan vote closed. Next year's Rock Hall class will be officially inducted at Cleveland's Public Hall in Ohio April 14th. Gene Simmons continues to defend himself uh, against allegations about an alleged event that happened at Fox News. He says none of the allegations leveled against him by a person or persons at Fox News are true. Last month, uh, in fact, you asked him about it when he was on the show a few weeks ago. Last month, following an appearance at the network's New York headquarters, he reportedly barged into a meeting and shouted, Hey, chicks, sue me! Before opening his shirt to reveal his chest and his stomach and telling Michael Jackson pedophilia jokes. This, Relevant again. This is <laughs> guys stay current. You know, this alleged event led him to being banned from all Fox locations. Speaking to KGB Radio in San Diego, Simmons says his lawyers are looking into who went onto social media and posted this. Nobody said I did anything wrong to anybody else. They just said I was lewd. Lewd. I stick <laughs> my tongue out for a living. Look, it doesn't affect me. But think about it. All the garbage that people spew on social media. There are young people, especially, who are committing suicide. When I was a kid, you used to have journalistic ethics. You know, somebody would say something. If it was untrue, I could sue them for slander. So we're trying to identify the person. Yeah, can't you still do that? Yeah. Yeah, I believe you can. You, too, is making pedophile jokes about Roy Moore, which is (laughs) way more current. Yes, irrelevant. Shortly after the news initially (laughs) broke, Simmons issued a statement saying, quote, I have appeared frequently over the years on various Fox News and Fox business programs and have a tremendous amount of respect for the talented women and men who work there. While I I believe that what is being reported is highly exaggerated and misleading, I am sincerely sorry I unintentionally offended members of the Fox team during my visit, end quote. To be fair, that's how I open my stage show, too, is I rip my shirt open and start telling Michael Jackson pedophilia jokes. So hey, I guess women, I'm going to have to stop about that. Sue me! <laughs> yeah, the only reason I wouldn't believe that is because it actually seems a little tame for him. Like, that's yeah, not really. nearly a lewd enough entrance yeah. for Gene Simmons. Snowy today, mid-20s for the high. It's 13 degrees at DVE. Sean Collier is here, and it's time. It's time to talk Uh, Star Wars. Oh, I thought this was about the Winston Churchill biopic, Darkest Hour, (laughs) starring Gary Oldman. No, not at all. It's a parliamentary Uh powerhouse. Feel free. This one needs music. Uh, Yeah. They told me you were coming in, and I need need your review before I, I go jump into this. Well, yeah, that's this is this is the weird thing about these. Uh, that we are it's not Darkest Tower. It is Star Wars episode 8, The Last Jedi. And every week with one of these, that's the reaction I get. People come up to, to me all week like I got to know. I got to know how it is. And that's a little odd to me because at this point we've seen The Force Awakens, we've seen Rogue One. We kind of know they're not gonna screw it up at this point yeah we we trust disney has this under control but i think that with star wars specifically the memory of the prequels is just too traumatic for people to ever fully get over 
Like when they when people come up to you and say, "Oh, how is it?" They're saying, "Oh my God, I've been burned before. Don't let that happen again, please." Tell people come up to me and Dad's ask, not drinking again, is he? No, it's people are asking me how Star Wars is, like they're asking me if their husband is cheating on him. He said he would walk the line this time. I believed him. What do you know? Well, the new film picks up where The Force Awakens left off. Kylo Ren is rising through the ranks of the evil First Order, and it looks as though he might become the new Darth Vader. For the moment, though, he is still being controlled by the manipulative and devious Supreme Leader Trump. Sorry, Snoke. Snoke. Supreme <laughs> Leader Snoke. Snoke wants him to go find Rey, who is on the planet Hawk 2, Gesundheit, asking for help from Luke Skywalker who received a very nice check for Force Awakens, despite the fact that he did nothing but turn around and gaze meaningfully in that film. Meanwhile, the Resistance has blown up a lot of the First Order stuff. The First Order is chasing them down throughout the galaxy. Things do not look good, because this is the middle chapter. The Empire Strikes Back, if you will, of the new series. And, of course, BB-8 is still here and still adorable. But now he must compete with merchandising tie-ins with the Porgs to a flock of adorable little penguin chicken cat creatures. They're everywhere. Are they more tolerable than the Ewoks? Yes, but most things are. Anyway, one of my favorite things about <laughs> The Last Jedi, while the original trilogy cast and characters are still around, this is the movie where it feels like Rey and Finn and Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron, they're the stars now. Absolutely. In The Last Jedi. In the first movie, it was kind of like, here's the new guys, but here's Get everybody. Yeah. Right. This is the movie where they really rise to, this is their show. Um, that being Baton said. has fully been passed. Yes. That said, Mark Hamill being Luke Skywalker again is really, really amazing to see. Um, he kind of folds right back into it, but gives this very emotional and very grounded performance. It, does, it doesn't feel like someone doing an impression of, of Luke. It feels like Luke as an old man. This is who he would be. It's a movie that really hits your nostalgia very hard, particularly, of course, because this is the final performance of Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I don't feel like I can really talk about how they deal or do not deal with her passing because... You know, you'll 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 receive death threats. I will immediately receive death threats. I, I'm not willing to even come close to spoiling anything. So instead, I'll just say it's a beautiful performance. She has a number of really really impressive moments, even more so than she did during Force Awakens. Uh, and I'm really really glad that she got to make this movie before she died. More than anything else, it's just a really fun movie, and it's fun in the way that Star Wars movies are supposed to be fun because of weird creatures and great characters and crazy planets and space battles. It does all of the Star Wars stuff really, really well. So, yes, Jeff, Yes. everyone else in my life, I liked it. Not to take any pressure off mm -hmm. you posthumously, but I was yeah. going to go see it no matter what you said. Well, yeah, I don't <laughs> think anyone would. I think people wanted the affirmation. But it helps. It certainly helps. But I don't think anyone was going to wait for, you know, I don't think anyone was going to come up to me and if I said, you know, it's kind of a dud, they were like, well, I think I'll save my money this weekend. That wasn't yeah. going to happen. No, it's more of a pep rally. Leading yes. it, like, this right. is Star Wars week. Yes. And I am spending all of that week just waiting for someone to cut me off in traffic so I can yell spoilers at them. That's, <laughs> flip me the bird, I'll tell you what happens at the end. You won't see it coming. Quite a good film. Quite a good film. Yes. I can't wait to see it. You have your tickets, Bill. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see it Friday.
Jeff. Next Saturday. A week from Saturday? Yeah. You're waiting eight, nine well, days? You know, oh. All my friends are, have children, so there's a lot of coordination that has mm. to go into that. See, what, what, what's great about where my kids are is now they go to see the movies. Yeah. So I bought tickets for my nephew yep. and my niece and my, ki- and my daughters, and, and we're all going. Thank you for not taking your children, because oh, some no, people never. do that. Some people drag a two-year-old. Like, you'll remember this. No. No. You'll yeah, remember not, the floor is being I wouldn't sticky. even do it for the benefit of the other people. He'd just annoy the crap out of me. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> it's not a service. We need you got to go to the bathroom. Just right. hold it. The X-Wing's <laughs> unfoiling right now. Come on. Roy Moore's probably going to dress his horse up like a tauntaun and try to like go cruise the uh, <laughs> Star Wars lines. I thought Alabama Senator smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine. He likes it. He likes it a lot. I like it a lot. Coming up, Mike Prasuda. It's not only Star Wars week, it's Patriots week. The uh, evil empire. Yeah, there's the first order. On their way into town. Supreme Leader Belichick. <laughs> Juju, use the force. <laughs> Press right, conference yesterday. Brady. By the way, uh, Juju got a dog. Yesterday, he did. It's a tiny, little, terrifying-looking dog. Uh, Does not- he have like a checklist of like adorable things that he's just following? Because every single th- I don't know who his PR manager is, but they are killing it right now. It's him. I know he should just write a book, "How to Win a Fan Base Over" by Juju <laughs> Smith-Schuster. He asked for an ant farm and a telescope for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. If I, I, I wonder if you go through Juju's likes on Facebook or on uh, Twitter. If it'll all just be him liking things people said about him, or if, if like, what? Oh yeah, well, it's yeah. It, actually, it's a him. It's all pictures of him cooking at Permanis, doing Pittsburgh stuff, taking pictures with Steeler fans. Cooked at Permanis. Yeah, rode a bike around. I mean, had it stolen. Had the whole city looking for it, like it was Pee Wee's bike. Did he take? He took a whole like group of kids to see Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Juju Manji. He got a uh, French bulldog. Is that what it was? Yep. He laid out perfect. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, what hasn't he done this year? I know. He's really, he's done a lot. I mean, if he gets Amazon to come here, this town is really yeah, going to really. go crazy. <laughs> Mike's coming in next. Full sports report when we return. Prince. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit of Sports. DVE, what's up? If you are excited about uh, Sunday's impending battle royal between the Steelers and the Patriots, you are not alone. Mike Tomlin uh, literally bouncing off the walls yesterday on the south side. Man, I I, I love it. You know, um, it's good to be in big games. It's better to be in big games than ones that nobody's watching. You know, um, we we better we better be appreciative of of this spot and not resist it in any way, but embrace it. Um, because this is what we've been fighting for since March. You know, to be in these type games against these type people, um, why would you fight that? Um, it's an awesome thing. Since March. March. Free agency. The start of the year. Everything they've done. Yeah. It's been leading up to this. You'd be silly not to, right, yeah. Mike? Oh, but God, don't talk about it three weeks in advance. Rodney Harrison. Belichick would never think about another team, ever. Fine. So give me a break. Uh, one thing Tomlin is uh, a little less excited about is the way the Steelers are going about replacing Ryan Shazier. What you saw against the Ravens the other night while the Steelers were giving up 
38 points was Sean Spence uh, off the couch and Arthur Motes sharing inside linebacker. Then in the dime defense, they sometimes went with LJ Fort. They sometimes went with no inside linebacker in the dime defense and used three defensive linemen instead. Uh, that's not the way uh, Mike Tomlin would prefer to do it. He would just as soon go to the next man up, but there's a complication associated with that. Man, I'd love to see one guy, but um, identify that guy. You know, <laughs> Shea is a special guy uh, with, a, with a lot of talents, not only physically, but mentally and, and from a leadership standpoint, communication. So um, it's just not a realistic discussion. You know how you do those five favorite plays? Yeah. Here's my least favorite play from the Ravens game. Uh, first third down of the game for Baltimore, the Steelers shift from the nickel to the dime. And they do that by taking out Vince Williams and putting in William Gay. They wind up with Javon Hargrave, Cam Hayward, and Stephon Tuitt as a three-man line. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt as the outside linebackers. And then the normal six DBs. No Vince, no Sean Spence, no Arthur Motes, no inside linebacker of any kind. Javon Hargrave drops into coverage to deal with Danny Woodhead. Joe Flacco sees that and says, you know, I bet their nose tackle can't run with my running back. Yeah. And he lobs the ball to Woodhead, and 22 yards later, it's first down. Yeah, that can't happen. I don't know that Javon Hargrave's a wonderful player. I don't know that he can cover people. Even in, in even short, white running even backs. Even in short areas. Even Rex Burkhead is um, going to be running wild this week if that happens. But, you know, it's uh, it's something they got to figure out as they go along. It was just the first time, and uh, Mike Tomlin said yesterday it's going to be a process and it's going to have to evolve, and they are willing to let it. You know, um, all three had their moments positively and negatively. Uh, we're going to assess those moments and work to accentuate the positives uh, individually and collectively and minimize the negative. It might be a redistribution of snaps. It might be a redefining of roles within that division of labor. Um, and not only this week, but in the upcoming weeks. You know, it's just how, how it goes. Um, we were going through a similar division of labor um, discussion at the beginning of the year when we were trying to find our rhythm between Juju and Martavis and Eli. You know, it happens from time to time, and none of it happens probably as quickly as you would like. Um, but the more you play, uh, and particularly if you open to letting it reveal itself to you, it will. Spence wound up playing 34 snaps on defense, 14 on special teams. Arthur Motes played 19 snaps on defense, 15 on special teams. And uh, LJ Fort, eight snaps on defense, 22 on teams. And it was LJ Fort who was out there at the end of the game on that last series. They were in a dime when they're trying to kill the last 42 seconds. LJ Fort and uh, Cam Sutton were two of the 11 because they were also switching around uh, left cornerback between Sutton and Cody Sensabaugh. Not ideal, but uh, you do what you got to do, right? No, I want to ask Merrill about that. He's coming up at 745. Yeah. About where the biggest vulnerabilities are. My inclination at first blush is they overthought it a little bit. Stick, just stick I, with I, one plan? I, particularly with now that Spence has been here a little while. Now he was just coming off the street. He hadn't played since October. So it's unrealistic to expect him to play an entire game. He didn't look like he had the speed. Well, that's why he wasn't here to begin with. Yeah. But <laughs> he knows the defense. He's he's an engaging player. You know, it, it, it matters to him. 
He could do some things. I, as soon as to me, as soon as they feel like Spence can play the whole game, I would play him as the other inside linebacker. And in a dime, I would leave Vince Williams on the field and just say, you know what? We know you're not great at this, but figure it out. You're one of our best 11. You're staying on the field. Well, you and I were briefly talking about this yesterday. What about the possibility of putting 92 back in and going old school and then dropping T.J. Watt to the middle? I would love that. I just don't think they want to play James Harrison more than uh, they absolutely have to, unless it's an obvious pass rush situation where all he has to do is come off the edge, which is a right outside linebacker. He's going to have to do a lot more than that in their scheme. And if they just tell him to rush, then they – limit themselves with uh, so much of the the different things they like to do and have different guys doing different things. They think that disguising and that uncertainty is a big part of their defense. So uh, We shall see. Stephon Tewitt talked about that rotational system they got going on last night on Steelers Huddle with Jerry Dulac and Dale Lawley. Tewitt, uh, as Cam Hayward had said on our show yesterday morning, said that it's up to the replacement players to just do what they're asked to do, nothing less and nothing more. Sometimes when you lose a significant player like that who could do a lot of different things in one and when you got to make up for those categories with different players to substitute just for one of those categories, whoever better at those categories be able to get in the game, yeah, that can be a little hard. But it's up to those players now to be good at what they do, do it the best way they can, and at the same time the next person who come in the game to do the same thing, be good at what they do, and just do that job. Because when you start trying to do too much, it could come back and bite you in the face. Nobody wants to get bit in the face. No. No. Good news, uh, maybe, regarding Joe Hayden. Mike Tomlin said that uh, Joe Hayden will be in the discussion this week. They're going to have him practice, see what he can do, and go from there. Hayden has missed the last four games. and oh, That mo- would be great. Most of the one that preceded it after suffering that fractured fibula in Indianapolis. Tyler Matikiewicz, Vance McDonald, and Sensabaugh are all questionable with shoulder injuries. Questionable is, and they don't know if they can work or not. They got to see what's right. going on. Uh, yeah, Matikavich being hurt is a big blow because, you know, I know people can say whatever they want about him on the field. That's their depth at inside linebacker. Yeah, you know, and I'm one. I'm not sure he's the every down guy either, but uh, would certainly give you another option. Um, the more options you have at this point, the better I think, as you try to figure out which one is the best option. And after this game, they've got Houston and Cleveland which they ought to be able to uh, do some exploring and some experimenting and still win. So get through this, see where you are, keep trying to get better for round two. On the way, Merrill Hodge will be joining us on the DVE Morning Show after this break. want to remind you, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Bellanote in the Strip, $3.16 ounce Bud Light drafts every Saturday and Sunday. Bellanote in the Strip at your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Here comes Merrill. It's the DVE Morning Show joining us for the last time in 2017. Brought to you by Wright Automotive. Ladies and gentlemen, Merrill Hodge. Yeah. What's up, Merrill? Merry Christmas and all that. Yeah, yeah, well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and everything in between all that. Yeah. You guys are you guys are leaving. Yeah, we're taking off. Uh, well deserved. Our, our, our holiday break, yeah, where we go and try to get our synapses to uh, work the right way again by you know getting more than five hours of sleep a night. But uh, mm-hmm. don't sleep on this Sunday's game, Merrill. The Patriots are coming to town. And is it a silly notion that, that fans were coming down on Mike Tomlin for looking ahead at the Patriots as, as if uh, uh, there were like coordinators coming into his office 
in weeks leading up to this saying, hey, do you want to talk about this Bengals game? And Mike Tomlin would be like, leave me alone. I'm thinking about the Patriots. <laughs> you know, like it's possible exactly. to do. I mean, just to, do I know we talk, we talk, you know, when, when this when this kind of ball hit, you know, I was like, gosh, every, I mean, everybody does that. Right. Mike, Mike just happened to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, nobody goes to your point, Randy. They're not sitting there going, hey, guys, listen. We got the Cleveland. We got the we got the Bengal game. That's not a problem. They're division right. opponent. We'll just we'll do our usual stuff. Let's work on the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, nobody's ever done that. And well, so that was a much much ado about nothing, which is often the case. So now uh, the Patriots are here, and after watching that game on Sunday night, in which the Steelers mounted a a remarkable comeback after falling behind to uh, to the Ravens, Ben Roethlisberger with a just magnificent 500-yard performance, his third as a pro. He has the most 500-yard games of all time. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I'm not worried. The other side of the ball is where our vulner- vulnerabilities exist, Merrill. So tell me, yeah. where, where do you think the Steelers need to get better uh, where Tom Brady might be able to pick them apart? Well, I'll tell you there's a couple things, um, and it was it was pretty obvious. And I, I think you got to almost um, – it's hard maybe for a fan to appreciate. Let's, let's just use this. Arthur Motes, okay, plays linebacker. And I think people just assume you can play inside linebacker and outside linebacker. I know it's two different worlds. You know, it's like running back when you're in the I formation versus, you know, the three-point stance. If you're eight yards deep versus five yards deep, like the whole complexity changes, the timing changes, your world changes. And, you know, he, he was putting, you know, both those guys, you know, um, Arthur having to go back there, you could just tell that he was just late. You know, he's trying to see things. He's not reacting right. So here's where the problem's going to be. Now, first of all, I think they'll be better next, you know, with a week of work, they'll get better. The Patriots are notorious for doing a lot of run action. Now, when you hear people go play action, there's a difference from play action to run action. Run action is when they really sell like they're running and they get you committed or – and what you – I always tell people all the time, listen, a defender has responsibilities. Just because you don't run the ball doesn't mean you can't sell run action because they got to respect that. They still have responsibilities, assignments. So that's going to be a problem. The Patriots are pretty good at that. They sell a lot of run action, misdirection. And the inside group, just you could tell they could, they're late filtering things. You know, late getting to the line of scrimmage, late reacting to the pass. Patriots attack that. You know, they'll attack it hard. You know, with Gronk back too, it makes it even more complex. But that—that's the area of most concern. They will literally do everything possible to attack that—that that inside group, who's ever in there. And I just—you know—it's a hard—it's a hard move. You take Arthur from the outside and then you stick him on the inside. Everything changes. You know, timing changes. You know, what he sees, what he's used to, changes. And it's a lot to ask of somebody who hasn't played inside. And I don't know if he's ever played inside linebacker, but clearly not, you know, since I've watched. You know, he'll move around occasionally, but he's pretty much outside. So we'll have to see how much improvement they make, but that's that's the biggest concern. Merrill, what's a realistic time frame? Take a guy like Motes who's adjusting to that uh, position he hasn't played in a long time. He did play it at Buffalo, by the way, uh, but that was a long, okay. long time ago. Yeah. His adjustment and Sean Spence coming off the street, off the couch, and being thrown into a game. What, yeah. What's a realistic time frame for for getting more out of those guys than we saw against Baltimore? Oh, um, 
You know, bro, I just, yeah, I think every week they're going to get better. You know, I just think it takes a good uh, few weeks, maybe a month to kind of really be comfortable again. And, you know, the timing of things and how you see things. Um, but they could be know, playoff it, ready. In, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I think they'll be much Three more there, regular so. season weeks and then a week off, presumably, yeah, and then, then a game. Yeah, I think this week we're going to see a big improvement, to be honest with you. And, and I'll tell you this, one thing, you know, now, now that's where they're, they're somewhat vulnerable. But I'll tell you where the Patriots are vulnerable. You know, the, the Dolphins, and, and they've had times through the year where, like, different looks, people out of alignment and odd looks, they, they don't handle that very well. They didn't handle it well against Miami a few times. So, and the Steelers do that very well. So that's going to be something, you know, that they'll have to, you know, that's where game planning and studying and the timing of all things come into play. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an advantage to the Steelers. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, you know how do you stop this? The, the Patriots, you know, you get after Brady. You know how you do that? You either got guys, people that are dominant, or your scheme poses problems. And the actually, Steelers have a little bit of both. Merrill Hodge uh, hanging with us here right now on the DVE Morning Show. A remarkable effort uh, offensively, uh, like I was saying before. Antonio Brown is in the discussion for some people for the MVP. Uh, it seems like every week we're we're more and more amazed by what he's able to do. A, do you think there's any chance he gets the MVP? And B, is the argument over? He's the most talented receiver the Steelers have ever had. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. I don't know when you look at the whole package. You know, graceful catches, route running, making big plays in big games and big moments. Jeez, I don't know that I can. Not to stack up anybody that would compare to that, you know, to really be honest with you. Um, so I, I couldn't argue. I couldn't say no to that. Um, the guy is ridiculous in a lot of fashions. You know, the MVP, I always feel like that's, um, um, you know, just I don't think people ever truly, you know, they just kind of go with, you know, the guy you see most of the time, which is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's unfair. And you got you know, you got people that don't want to spend time, you know, to really look at it objectively and clearly. And his impact and his consistency with it. And I don't know of all the MVPs candidates that have been more consistent than Antonio Brown. And at the end of the day, that's what you're supposed to be, right? You know, and how they'd be seven and six without him. I would agree. Hmm. Let me tell you this. He does things, you're just like, yeah, honestly, I mean, I've played the game a long time, studied it a long time. I know you guys watched it for a long time. You, you're avid fans, and you know your stuff. I just, every time, it's like, how does he get open? You know, now, I do know how he gets open, to be honest with you. He is the most dynamic guy in a small space I've ever seen. That's why people can't cover him. They're doubling. But he separates so quickly. That I could, you could put three people, and this has happened, three people on him in scoring territory, where the the space is shrunken down and it should be easier. And that dude looks like nobody was covering. I was like, that's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, and I watch it on tape. I watch it from the end zone, and I'll spend five minutes on it. And I'm like, it's just incredible. It, it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, not like sometimes. All the time, and um, you know, listen. It would be, it would be right that he got the MVP. 
you know, because mm-hmm. all of the things that you got to do, all the things that you are evaluated and talked about, he's done them. You know, and I don't know of another candidate that they, you know, there's, that has been like that. You know, so right. well, let me ask. What happens? They just, you know, oh, it's a quarterback, and we're like, why not? It's just an argument that you lose because can't have rational conversation with irrational people. Well, speaking of irrational people, I wanted to ask you about uh, Terry Bradshaw. Now, once again, Terry Bradshaw kind of gives a shot to Coach Tomlin. Uh, You know, last year he called him a cheerleader. He said he's not even a head coach. He's just a cheerleader. That's what he sees him as. He was asked in an interview yesterday about it, and he said about Mike Tomlin, I give him no thought. I give him no thought. I do not see him on the sideline and think cheerleader. I see him as the head coach, and I give him no thought. He does not cross my mind at all. I have absolutely no opinion of him. I probably shouldn't have said cheerleader, but I did, so I stand by it. But if he doesn't like me, I couldn't care less. Now, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's 11-2. I, I, you know, he's the fastest. He's like got Lombardi-like numbers in terms of wins. Now, you know, there are there are uh, aspects of his game that, that could be better, but, uh, boy, you could say that about any coach. Or you say about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, that's, last time I checked, you know, I know some people that try, but I've never seen anybody walk on water. So, at the end of the day, if you can't do that, you know, <laughs> we all got some major flaws. So Well, that Monday night game know. against Miami years ago, uh, we got pretty close in Heinz Field. I don't know if you remember that one, but... <laughs> Waterlogged oh, yeah. field. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, the ball sticking in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I, I don't know what what that stems from. You know, listen. Here's what I do know about your leader. And at the end, at the end of the day, the head coach is the leader. You know, um, there's been a lot of situations where, shoot, I think it was wasn't it last year um, that they played in Miami and just there was a stretch where because all these seasons run together. And listen, there's been some times in Mike's career. Where it looks like the, they're kind of, they're coming off the rails, the wheels are starting to fall sure. off, and he has put them back on. And ultimately, that's what a head coach does. Listen, I think nobody nobody will truly ever appreciate the greatness of even Chuck Knoll. They'll they'll look at his greatness, and rightfully so. Some of it, you won four Super Bowls in like six five years, whatever it was. But to orchestrate and manage. That much talent is one of the most difficult things to do as a head coach. I'll tell you this, I had great talks. Mike Dick even mentioned it one time. We were out eating, and he's like, man. Listen, I had, he goes, man, I, I screwed it up because I should have won more Super Bowls with all the talent I had. He goes, that's the hardest thing, and people will never appreciate that. You almost have to be in that environment. But to manage all of the talent that they have, you know, and get them to play at their highest level in a team concept. When things go wrong, you know, like they have this year for the Steelers. I mean, shoot, after the Jacksonville game, after the Chicago game. Shoot, this Shazier thing is an emotional, really challenge. You know, mm-hmm. it is, I'm telling you, it is a delicate thing to handle as a coach. And I think Mike's done that about as awesome as you can. So, you know, I don't know what he's, what the, I don't know why Terry's, you know, I, I can't speak for Terry. I don't know what the, the question right. is about or, or what. That's probably more about is. Terry Bradshaw and less about Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I, I would agree because I'm like, listen, I, still at the end of the day, here's the one thing I'm always caution people. We're not inside those meeting walls and doors mm-hmm. all day long, every day. And there's that's a completely different 
perspective when you are like that. We're on the outside. We see, you know, three o'clock. You know, we see three hours on a Sunday, you know, or a Monday. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, talking about, you just these linebackers, why they switch guys outside to inside. These coaches know them better than anybody. Jerry O, Joey Porter, they know these guys better than anybody. They're with them all the time. You know, that's why maybe some things don't make sense initially, but they work out because coaches know that. You know what Mike does? I don't know. I just, you know, now I'm in that locker room, those locker rooms and training room and meeting rooms, you know, more than most, you know, fans are. And I just, I just got great respect for how he's, he's done a lot of different things in, and had to redirect this team during bad times and to keep them as successful as they are throughout his career. Well, who else has done that? You know, guys like Bill Belichick, but if you start losing names after that, you know, you got 32 yeah. teams to pick from. Yeah. So, I don't know. You, well, it'll be a know. battle royale this uh, Sunday. He's got a chance to uh, gain a little ground on the guy he's always looking up at, Bill Belichick, the hood comes to town. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, Star Wars is coming out. We got the evil empire coming here. Their guy even has a hood over the top of his head, you know? <laughs> Randy, actually, that's a good one, man. I like that, the evil empire. I like, and you know what? The hood... And it could be. I'm not sure. I think it's supposed to be cold, really cold Sunday, right? Uh, I'm assuming. It's, kind of. It's frigid right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be lining up right now. No. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Merrill Hodge, have a great holiday. I hope you get a big buck coming down your chimney. That sounded wrong. I hope you get a deer for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, could love you guys anymore. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you next year. Love you, brother. We'll Merry see you. Christmas. Merrill Hodge. Christmas, Another season of uh, Steelers football here on DVE. Val's got news next. What do you got? We're going to talk uh, coming up at the top of the hour. I mentioned last hour that they would be releasing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. They've been released. I'll tell you who they are. Good deal. And we're talking more Steelers, Patriots, and getting ready for tonight's Christmas party at Jurgles. 7 o'clock. The show starts. 6 o'clock doors. Don't miss it. We've got everybody. We got Donnie. We got Joe Grzecki. We got uh, a meeting of important people. Gene the Werewolf. Bastard Bearded Irishman. Paul Luke. Bill... Uh, Tom's and Hard Rain, uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Common Heart, Cisco Kid, Molly Alphabet Moore. I, I probably doubled up on a couple couple bands there. Scott and Rob from the Clarks will be there as well. Again, don't miss the show. Starts at seven o'clock. Doors are at live from the McDonald Studios. I'm loving it. This is WDVE Pittsburgh. Peyton Madden of uh, El Dorado, Kansas, is your average 11-year-old boy. Except for one thing, he has a rare genetic disease that makes him allergic to sunlight. That means Peyton spends a lot of his time indoors, and when he does go outside during daylight hours, he has to wear protective clothing over every inch of his skin. While the residents of El Dorado decided to get together and give him a fun day outside, they turned the nighttime into the daytime. So he got to play outside with any of his gear. He didn't know what was happening until he rode his bike into town and he was greeted by every member of the community. He got to ride his bike. They opened the community pool and had a nighttime pool party after dark. That's so nice. Uh, (laughs) They just just, uh, wanted to give him a a day like any other kid can enjoy outside. Let's not look any further into that story. Let's (laughs) just enjoy it right where it landed. You know who funded that? Roy Moore. That's absolutely what happened. (laughs) His his father, Grand Wizard (laughs) Daryl. <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show.
It's eight minutes after eight at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's going to be a cold day today with snow developing late in the day. High temperature 24. Periods of snow tonight that will cause tricky travel, but it winds up by first thing Thursday. Thursday, just some early morning snow showers and a high of 29. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 13 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Falcone's Moon Township Automotive. I'm Val Porter. The man accused of murdering four people in a Tampa neighborhood is pleading not guilty. Howell Donaldson III was arraigned yesterday for the Seminole Heights serial killings. His next court date is set for January 25th. Prosecutors say they'll know by then if they'll seek the death penalty. The would-be Port Authority suicide bombing suspect is being arraigned bedside today on federal terrorism charges. Aikaid Ula is under arrest at Bellevue Hospital, where he's being treated for burns and lacerations in Monday's botched bombing. U.S. Attorney June Kim said the Bangladeshi-born 27-year-old went to the busy New York City transit hub to maim and kill, wearing a homemade bomb he'd built in his Brooklyn apartment. Right before the attack, Ula wrote on Facebook, Trump, you failed to protect your nation and reportedly swore his allegiance to ISIS. So, uh... You want to uh, dig a little deeper in the story of 11-year-old uh, bully victim Keaton Jones? If, um, do we? I mean, well, you tell it us. makes me feel uh, better. No, it's not going to make you feel better. Okay, okay. But we're going to do it anyway. His dad <laughs> is an imprisoned white supremacist named Sean White. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, God. TMZ did some snooping and found Keaton's estranged father's Facebook page, which is filled with white supremacist propaganda, including pictures of his tattoos, which read white pride and pure breed. He also posted multiple memes with sayings like, I love being white. Keep calm and be white pride and Aryan pride. Uh. TMZ also discovered White is currently locked up in a Tennessee prison on a probation violation related to an earlier assault conviction. TMZ says it is unclear what type of relationship Keaton has with his dad, if any. Keaton's mom, Kimberly Jones, says she's not racist and is sorry for Mm. posting photos of uh, Keaton Jones with a Confederate flag. Sorry, I have sound here. I didn't tell you that. Sorry. Sorry. Here you go. It was meant to be ironic and funny and extreme. I am genuinely, truly sorry. If I could take it back, I would. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Turns out his dad is Edward Norton from American <laughs> History X. Oh, I knew this was going to be bad. You just knew it. I, I... But here, it doesn't change the fact that it's not okay for him to be right. kid and, to get bullied. He's his, not his parents. Right. E- equally not okay for him to be exploited by his well, the family media-savvy racist mom. The family claims they didn't set up these GoFundMe pages. Yeah, I mean, I saw a headline yesterday that said... It was like $60,000. Yeah, he raised fifty-five grand, but nobody knows what the money's for. Yeah, they put a freeze on it, I guess, the account. A poor kid. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, and it's not his fault how his parents are. That video is heartbreaking. She's like, it's ironic. We listen to albums. We we have a VCR. We're way into irony. (laughs) I love that band. We're hipsters. Remember them? We have their albums. I ironically enjoy that as well. The more older brothers a man has, the more likely he is to be gay. 
That's according to new research that explores one of the possible biological factors in determining sexual attraction. With each older brother, the chances of the younger brother being gay appears to go up by about a third. It happens even if the brothers are raised apart, but not with adopted brothers. Scientists believe that when a woman is pregnant with her first boy, a protein linked to the Y chromosome that only men have enters the blood. The woman's body builds up antibodies to try to fight off what it sees as a foreign invader, antibodies that can enter the brain of subsequent male fetuses and possibly alter how it functions. The study was published Monday in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Oh, well, I thought, it was all that, I thought that was all that uh, sibling bathing. It was happening, maybe. The <laughs> story was called Fake News by Tito Jackson. <laughs> in a recent study, Italian researchers found 52 strains of bacteria living in ice cubes. Luckily, scientists also tried to figure out what kinds of alcohol might do the best job of killing those germs of the ice cubes and making your cocktails a little safer. They found whiskey the best. Yeah, I, Beats I'm out vodka. Telling you right now, I've used whiskey to wipe out a cold. I have oh, for sure done old. it. I have also attempted to do it and made it way worse. <sighs> but there have been times when I drank out, drank away a cold. Isn't that the old uh, have a little toddy? Yeah. A little, little shot of whiskey to clear out your... Myron Cope never I've had a cold. I've never, never done that. To clear out your uh, congestion? Or he had a cold his whole life. <laughs> Absolutely all the time. None of the bacteria they tested was strong enough to survive in whiskey. Whiskey knocked out all the germs mm-hmm. they they tested. Mm-hmm. Just when I'm sick, I the sh- even just the thought of whiskey will make me want to throw up. Well, it's not much worse than Nyquil or some of those yeah. other. Nike, that's all Nyquil is. It's is booze. alcohol. Yeah, take, take I it. Know, I developed a taste for it. Do the do the toddy. <laughs> doing like a strong tea with a, a, a lemon. Put a whole lemon in there. Oh yeah, dude. A lot of honey. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. raw honey in just there. That's got uh, Don't very squeeze good for the you. lemon. Just. An entire lemon, just Especially. plop it right in there. <laughs> yeah. Don't even peel it. It's it's actually the rind. Right. Whiskey is magic. Mm-hmm. Is bourbon the and wi- is that the same thing? Is it just a type of whiskey? I don't understand what bourbon is. Kentucky. So it's a regional whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Jameson and there's like Irish whiskey. Yeah, and in Bushmills, those are Irish, and then Tennessee. So they're Scottish. It's like Jack Daniels and. Is in Jim Beam? Yes. Tennessee also? And those are the technical, those are American whiskeys, right? Yes, those are bourbons. I mean, there's... there's They are bourbons. The, yeah, bourbon is, is whiskey, American whiskey from a couple of places. You know, like champagne is from that place in France. All right, I didn't think Jack Daniels was bourbon. Jack Daniels is bourbon. Okay. Yes. And it's best served at a wedding. When you, <laughs> <laughs> when Repeatedly. You have, yeah. Doubles. When you have a sinus infection. Yeah. Jack and Cokes. Twelve of them. Just like the president. <laughs> Jack and Diet Coke. He doesn't uh, drink booze, though. Just the Diet Coke. Yeah, just the diets. An Oklahoma family took their sick dog to the vet and wound up getting to the bottom of a mystery which had perplexed them for weeks. Dovey is a four-year-old Sharpay, was sick and losing weight, so when she vomited up a baby's pacifier, it occurred to the family that she might have been behind the mysterious disappearance of other pacifiers. I'm just glad you didn't say disappearance of the baby. <laughs> uh, they took her to the animal hospital. They told the vet that they thought she might have swallowed a few of the binkies in the house. An x-ray led the vet to suspe- suspect there might be as many as seven pacifiers in the dog's stomach. He was wrong. A surgeon opened the dog's stomach, took out 21 pacifiers. Pretty good. Wow. Pretty good. 
Dovey is recovering and doing well. Dovey's uh, pretty dumb. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> My uncle had a banks. lab that would eat socks. Yeah, labs like socks for some reason. That can kill a dog. Yeah, it's a blockage. Matt Lauer's departure may have been the best thing to happen to the Today Show for the second straight week since the co-host's termination for sexual misconduct. The morning show has been number one in the ratings, beating out reigning champ Good Morning America. For now, Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb are co-anchoring today. CBS This Morning, which fired Charlie Rose over sexual misconduct charges, has not seen a bump in viewership. They are in third place according to the Nielsen ratings. I was thinking yesterday, boy, that Matt Lauer story went away quick. They all do. Yeah, the cycle now is just, well, because it's chewing up more people now. I guess. It's who's today's person. Uh, Metallica's Hardwired to Self-Destruct is number one on both the Billboard Year and Top Rock Albums and Hard Rock Albums chart. The disc sold over a million units in 2017. It was the only rock album to sell over 800,000 copies. On the hard rock chart, Linkin Park was number two, followed by Foo Fighters, Queen, and Guns N' Roses. On the rock album chart, Imagine Dragons was number two, 21 Pilots in third place. The Stones and Tom Petty also made the top ten. Jack Daniels is not a bourbon. Jim Beam is a bourbon. Really? Crown Royal is Canadian whiskey. Did you look up what's the difference between bourbon and whiskey? So ask, uh, just ask geographic. Jeeves. Okay. Ask, ask Jeeves. It's geographic. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know Jeeves is like geographic. Screw Alexa. I was doing that stuff a long time ago. Yeah. I just didn't stalk you. I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> he was a much less yeah. stalky yeah, information. Wasn't aggressive. Source. You but come to me. The you butler knows how to be discreet. You know, butlers always see the the worst of everybody. They don't tell <laughs> ad partners. Slack. The biggest difference is corn is in bourbon. Of course. Always the corn. Okay. Good. Glad we settled <laughs> We got this. to the bottom of that. Uh, finally, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees have been announced. Uh, the list was released, and in the for- performer category, it's Bon Jovi, Dire Straits, the Moody Blues, and Nina Simone, the Cars as well. The ceremony will take place Saturday, April 14th at Public Auditorium in Cleveland, and ticket on sale dates will be announced at a later date. And finally, Pat Denincio, the frontman of veteran New Jersey rock band The Smithereens, has died. He was 62. Uh. That news was announced by the band's Facebook account last night. Billboard magazine is reporting that he had been suffering from unidentified medical issues he suffered after a fall. He was... Sadly, a, a really obese guy, um, but he wrote some of the coolest songs. That band was awesome. Mm-hmm. the Rings were great. Snowy today, mid-20s for the high. It's 14 degrees at DVE. All right, I think we got to give a little to Pat. He's come in and done shows here and performed live in DVE in the past. When I first got here, he came in and did a, a coffee house one day. This one from, from Pat and the Rings, DVE.
TV morning show. R.I.P. Pat Denuzio. Smithereens. Man, they were so good. Great couple of records. Um, so last night, Roy Moore lost the Senate race, the special election in Alabama, to uh, the guy who wasn't a pedophile, the guy who actually put people behind bars. And I didn't watch any of it because I didn't want to just lament the fact that they were going to elect a pedophile. And they didn't. So that's great news. On top of that, he's wickedly unqualified. But Doug Jones wanted to assure everybody in Alabama, look, I'm still just as racist. (laughs) I just, uh, you know, I can go to the mall. I can be racist at the mall. Everybody settle down here. Roy Wood Jr. had a great line. He's like, the the Doug Jones campaign is really screwing up by not demanding to have a debate at the Gadsden Mall. <laughs> oh, what, or, you, you can't come? Oh, Or be sworn in and put his hand on a mall directory. The <laughs> clip of Jake Tapper talking to one of uh, Roy Moore's representatives. I don't know if it's his lawyer. I don't know it's if it's his. I think it was his campaign spokesman. Campaign spokesman. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not his Jew lawyer, as uh, his <laughs> wife put it. We can't be anti-Semites. We got a Jew as a lawyer. Oh, well, that was convincing. <laughs> when he tells him that he doesn't, you know, you don't have to swear on a Bible. <laughs> you can swear on anything. That mouth agape, uh, just catching flies <laughs> on television, will go down as one of the best moments of 2017 in the news. Um, Roy Moore was going to swear in on a copy of Twilight. Did he? Uh, did he ever? Uh, that's funny. Did he ever uh, concede, or is he still not yet? No. Oh, well. I mean, I haven't seen anything yet. So. I don't know, but I didn't realize that there was. I knew there was black Twitter. I knew there was bike Twitter. I didn't know there was horse Twitter. Oh yeah, and there Twitter. is horse Twitter because they came out and lambasted Roy Moore for his technique riding a horse to the polls yesterday, which, by the way, <laughs> what are you doing? So stupid. That guy's such a moron. He's brought, riding a, a horse that really wanted to buck him off. Apparently, yeah, yeah. like he was riding it the wrong way. I don't know anything about riding horses, but I, everything I read from horse Twitter, was he, he the stirrups were too long for him. Oh, and, yeah. Well, and it looked like he was holding the reins way too he tight. Had, yeah, he had the reins all messed up. His legs were flying all over the place. <laughs> It looked like the horse was going to buck him off. It would have been so great. <laughs> that would have been so great. Uh, so, uh, okay, that happened in Alabama. So now you got Charles Barkley, who really went down and campaigned hard for Doug Jones down in Alabama. Barkley saved Alabama. Rodman might be saving us from North Korea. Let's get Carl Malone to Russia right now <laughs> and figure out what's going on. Well, he could probably fix Utah. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Prime candidate. Mm. Tony know. Kukoc is going over to talk to the Palestinians to try to settle them down. <laughs> right. Sports coming up next. We're getting ready. It's Patriots week. Mike Pursuta's got a full report from yesterday's news conference with the coach. When we return on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Get Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly, Patriots.com, coming up with our Know Your Enemy segment in about 10 minutes. Mike Coach Tomlin addressing the media yesterday saying he's ready. Yeah, yeah, he is. And uh, can't say I'm surprised by the way Mike Tomlin embraced what we're about to receive Sunday at Heinz Field, given what Tomlin had said to Tony Dungy before the Packers game. Mm-hmm. But uh, Which threw everyone into a tizzy. Well, it did because it's still out of character for most NFL coaches most of the time. Normally, 
when these regular season games uh, hit the hype machine and start uh, growing uncontrollably. The coaches try to put a lid on that. Mike Tomlin was uh, getting knee-deep in it. Sports This Hour brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. Here's Mike Tomlin talking New England, believe it or not, during New England week. Man, I, I, I love it. You know, um, it's good to be in big games. It's better to be in big games than ones that nobody's watching. You know, um, we, we, better, we better be appreciative of, of this spot and not resist it in any way, but embrace it. Um, because this is what we've been fighting for since March. You know, to be in these type games against these type people, um, why would you fight that? Um, it's an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, another year, another big one at the end of the year. There was the Baltimore game last year on Christmas, which basically was, it did decide the division for the Steelers, and it would have gone a long way toward deciding it for the Ravens had the Ravens won. Uh, and now a regular season confrontation that will probably decide home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. So there's a lot at stake, but it's not a be-all, end-all type of deal, which to me makes it perfect. You can you can really learn a lot about your team in terms of how it stacks up to the other team. And thanks to Facebook Live, we learned a little bit about how Tomlin really feels about Belichick and this team. Thanks he, to Antonio Brown. There's no love lost. And his, his record isn't great against them, regular season or otherwise. He's, I know he's only faced him in the playoffs once. Nobody's record's very good against Bill Belichick. No. Dolphins. Except the Dolphins at home. At home. But uh, this is the gold standard. This is the team that and, – and, you know, you go back to pick a, a time frame, whether it's uh, the last uh, five, six seasons, whether it's when Belichick got there, whether it's when Robert Kraft got there in 94. It's all the Patriots. And the Steelers are right there just behind them. In all these categories, the division titles won, conference championships won, Super Bowls, uh, whatever, you, however you want to divvy it up, New England's on top, and the Steelers are right there within reach trying to knock them off that top pedestal. And uh, they can't do that Sunday, but they can send them a message, and they can let them know where the AFC Championship game is probably going to be played, and they can let them know how difficult it's going to be for the Patriots to win that this year. I think I've thought so much about our defense and the and the weaknesses therein that I, I I haven't given enough thought to well, hey, their defense isn't the greatest. They're not the eighty five Bears and we have Martavis and we have Juju Smith Schuster that we didn't have the last time we saw these guys. And presumably you have Le'Veon Bell for and a more, healthy Le'Veon for Bell for more than five carries. Which to me that was the great disappointment of last year's AFC Championship game was not getting to see that Steelers-Patriots game unfold with Le'Veon Bell in it doing the things that he does. Because nobody had stopped him. And how do you – which poison do you pick if you're trying to defend the Steelers' offense right now? Do you take Antonio Brown away or do you take Le'Veon Bell away? Because any good defense can take one guy away if, I, I, if you are that committed to doing that. It's can the other guys make you pay for that? I think you take you got to take Lev Bell out of the game. Ravens did that if you can take, to a certain extent. If you can take Lev Bell out of the game, then you're relying on Ben and AB having a good game. But like, can you take Le'Veon Bell? I, to me, I would take AB out of the game because Le'Veon. If you take him out of the run game, he can still burn you in the passing game. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with Randy, and I'm not going to let Bell run if I'm trying to defend the Steelers because I still think if you're getting run on, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. That just everything flows not to from mention, that. No doubt. Time of uh, possession goes to you. But Antonio Brown can kill you. Big plays. <laughs> you, uh, could, you could take the run away and still lose. It's, it's not a guarantee. Oh, I, I, I think they did it Sunday night. Bill Belichick is such uh, a perceived genius, and I think justifiably so, schematically. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm really curious to see what he does. And will he do Sunday what he's going to do in January, if it comes to that? Or will he say, okay, this time we're going to do this and live with the result. Next time, we're hitting him with that. Yeah, they're workshopping game plans here. So uh, it it this is as fascinating to me as a regular season matchup can get. I'm with you on that. Sunday, I can't wait for this game. Is it 4:25? Like Bart Scott, can't wait. 4:25. I have so much hate built up in me for this game. I gotta get this out before Christmas. Have to. Yeah. Well, yeah. One way or the other, it's not going to ruin Christmas. Right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Steelers officially put the linebacker Ryan Shazier on the injured reserve list yesterday. His season is uh, officially done according to the transactions. President Art Rooney II issuing a statement, quote, Unfortunately, Ryan will not be able to contribute on the field during the remainder of the season. However, even off the field, Ryan will continue to be one of our team leaders. We know his spirit and positive outlook will help him to continue in his recovery, as well as serve as an inspiration to our team. Patriots also uh, getting ready to make a roster move. Reportedly, Kenny Britt has agreed yeah. to a two-year deal with New England. He was cut by New England by Cleveland, excuse me, last Friday. Eighteen catches for two hundred and thirty-three yards and two TDs in nine games with the Browns. Kenny Britt's have been there, done that guy. Oh, I know, but, but he hasn't done it very well lately. I saw that. Just the Browns' last little attempt to. Get us. Well, they still got to come here. Drop a 50-burger on them. Yeah, speaking of drop, uh, if they throw it to Kenny Britt, there's going to be drops. He might make a play, he might not. I don't know if that's uh, – but that's a typical New England No, it's, it's really hard to drop Tom Brady's balls because they're so deflated. New England likes uh, guys they think they can scrape the rust off or uh, – work out the imperfections with and uh, apply to specific situations. You know, kind of what the Steelers did with the inside linebacker thing, that was very Belichickian. You play this down, you play that down, this other guy's going to play on another down. And it's all going to work out. Andy Hart. Andy was a rock. Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly and Patriots.com in our Know Your Enemy segment when we return on your home of the Steelers, 102.5 DV. not spying no one's leaking information to us let's just call it research randy bauman and the dve morning show gets to know the steelers next opponents with an interview with one of the opposing team's reporters that's big the know your enemy segment only from your radio home for spillers football dve yeah, and it is the know your enemy segment right now on your home of the steelers 102.5 dve andy hart from Patriots Football Weekly and Patriots.com joining us right now. Andy, you know, the first thing I noticed, you know, you go to Patriots.com and every week we do this segment and a lot of times we end up getting beat writers 
for the respective teams who write for the team's website a lot of times. And when that's the case, I'll go on the team's website and look at some of the stuff they've been writing about. And I'm under the impression that Bill Belichick doesn't let you guys put out any information at all on Patriots.com. If you go on there, there's a prov- here's here's the first two articles that pop up. Hey, we're playing the Steelers. Here's a preview, and the one before that is here's what we did last week against the uh, Dolphins. But nothing about the uh, dynamics of the team in between. Are you under Belichick ordered lockdown on information release? Uh, he wishes I I were, but uh, no. Uh, you are actually pointing to some issues I have with our webmasters and the way we uh, display information and. Um, but that's probably a different topic for a different day. I, you know, I put up a mailbag yesterday that immediately gets pushed off the front page, and I wonder why I spent five yeah. hours writing it so we can put a press release out. But different arguments. You're answering day. questions in your mailbag from two weeks before. You're, you know, guys are asking about the Dolphins game, and then you have to. There's this is Kremlin esque type stuff going on up there. <laughs> they're, they're withholding information from you. Well, Putin well, does you, have one of the rings. That is true. Yeah. Putin has a ring. He might be whispering instructions to uh, Robert Kraft. <laughs> but no, well, you know, give us some inside information here for crying out loud. You know, the Steelers, of course, uh, they're having troubles defensively. The loss of Ryan Shazier emotionally has been a, a tough thing to overcome, and they deal with that every day. But and this is a team that couldn't cover Rob Gronkowski with Troy Polamalu. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so and, and now you get Gronk back this week after a loss to the Dolphins. So uh, how do you see the uh, the Patriots assessing this game on Sunday in terms of what they might be able to exploit on the Steelers' defense? Well, first of all, I think Tom Brady is uh, very thankful that Rob Gronkowski is back. Anybody who watched that game last week, um, you know, to go 0 for 11 on third down, first time in almost 30 years they've had any sort of performance like that. And I think that was sort of an answer to Patriots fans who said, oh, we won the Super Bowl without Gronk last year. Maybe we don't need him. Let's move on from him. He's always hurt, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I know Julian Edelman's also out, and those would be the two guys on third down. But I think that's first and foremost is Rob Gronkowski's importance to this passing game. And, you know, one of the little underlying stories of this season in the passing game is, is the way Brandon Cooks has fit in in terms of numbers and, and everybody loves what he's done. If you talk to players, coaches, oh, he works hard, he's great. He just hasn't really taken the reins as a true number one receiver. And I think last week's a perfect example. No Gronkowski, you know, his chance to maybe step up. Xavier Howard is, you know, not exactly the second coming of Darrell Revis. And Xavier Howard owned him. He had one catch late in the game for 38 yards. Otherwise, I think it was seven targets, a couple picks in his direction. So right now, this passing game, while it's, and I think it's still second in the NFL or whatever it is, it's not exactly clicking on all cylinders. And you're seeing the importance of what you guys mentioned, Rob Gronkowski. You know, it's, they, they spend, you know, 12 hours a day, five days a week getting ready for these games. And I can tell you what, you know, third and long, cover Rob Gronkowski and you should be okay. So this offense, for as good as it is, um, hasn't exactly been clicking on all cylinders. But as you mentioned, the Steelers' defense has its own issues. So. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out on Sunday. Andy, a question I've been waiting to have answered since last January when Le'Veon Bell got hurt early in the AFC Championship game is what will Bill Belichick perceive to be the Steelers' strength and try to take away first and foremost? Bell's running or uh, Brown's receiving? You know, I think it's going to be Brown's receiving uh, because, quite frankly, the Patriots aren't going to stop the run. They haven't stopped the run all year. The only game in the last, I want to say it's seven or eight, that they've held an opponent under four yards or under 100 yards was Miami a couple weeks ago, and that's because Damian Williams got hurt and they were banged up. They didn't really have any running backs on the score get out of hand. 
Otherwise, even teams that are down three scores are able to run in chunks against this defense. Um, I'm quite certain you guys will not know who is starting at linebacker for the Patriots uh, <laughs> unless you're familiar with Jonathan Freeney, Eric Lee, Trevor Riley. Um, you know, these are guys they're signing literally off practice squads and are playing significant roles the following week. Um, they're just not going to be able to stop Le'Veon Bell. He is going to get his yards. If you're, if you're a betting man, take the over. He's going to get 100 yards. Um, but they're not going to allow Brown, in my opinion, to go for 200 or 150 and get in the end zone. They're going to put, we've seen it in the past, it's probably Malcolm Butler and safety help on Antonio Brown. And then it comes down to, you know, those secondary options. You know, the Patriots are finally healthy in the back end and theoretically have more talent in the back end than they've had in a long time with Stephon Gilmore, their $65 million corner, and Eric Rowe, their number three corner, even Jonathan Jones. It's going to be how those guys cover Smith-Schuster and the secondary targets. And we saw it last year, even the way that game played out in January, if the Steelers' second, third, fourth receivers catch the football, you got a ball game. But Sammy Coates and those guys didn't. Um, so I, I think the Patriots are going to focus on, on Antonio Brown all day long. You think shootout? I do, because I don't think either team has a real, real good defense. I mean, I give Matt Patricia credit because they had an eight-game winning streak. They had an eight-game stretch where they didn't allow more than 17 points. But quite frankly, some of it was smoke and mirrors, and some of it was just ineptitude on the part of the other team. I mean, if you watch the Bills game two weeks ago, they run the ball right down the Patriots' throat because – Everybody can run the ball down their throat. And then Tyrod Taylor just throws it inexplicably right to Eric Lee, that linebacker I'm talking about off a of practice squad. Hits him right in the chest on the goal line. You know, the, these mistakes, these teams shooting themselves in the foot, I think that's really the key for Pittsburgh. As long as Roethlisberger doesn't turn the ball over, and I know he's done that at, at various points this year, if he doesn't turn the ball over, yeah, I, I think the Steelers are going to score points. I think the Patriots are going to score points. And you know, I think the TV network will be very happy that they could have a a 30-something, 30-something fourth-quarter game with fans sitting on the edge of their seats. Belichick winced after the game on Sunday when asked if they were looking ahead to the Steelers, and that might have been part of why they, they lost to the Dolphins. Who is the brave soul that asked that question? Well, now, Tony Dungy asked Mike Tomlin if they were you know thinking about the Patriots on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks back. Three and weeks back. Tomlin was excoriated. By the, uh, by the sports media for looking ahead to the Patriots. Well, he hasn't lost a game <laughs> since then. Right. But uh, is it fair to say that Belichick has also been able to multitask and plan for the game that they had uh, coming up uh, each week and still be thinking about this Steelers game as the matchup that determines their AFC fate? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, they do that all the time. They have a big behind-the-scenes staff that's always game-planning two weeks in ahead, two weeks in advance. And you're right, it is funny that the team that talked about looking ahead is undefeated since then, and the team that, God forbid, would never, ever be a human being (laughs) and look ahead uh, just got their asses handed to them on Monday Night Football. (laughs) Um, But I don't really think that was the reason they lost. I mean, quite frankly, I think some of that was eliminated, you know, by the suspension and the fact that it was Miami. If that had been a trip to, I don't know, Cleveland or even Jacksonville, you know, a decent team, I think that you could have said they were looking ahead to Pittsburgh, but... Because it's Miami where Tom Brady has a losing record in his career, and there's not too many places where you can say that, because you took away your best offensive player not named Tom Brady, um, I think some of that was eliminated. I I think that would be an excuse, quite frankly. I think that's a good thing to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we were looking past the Dolphins because the the only game that matters is Pittsburgh. If we win that, 
for the number one seed. Well, you're whistling past the graveyard. You just got your ass kicked on both yeah. sides of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're going to be prepared for this game. And around here, sort of the, the talking point is, can the Steelers make adjustments, or is it the same old Steelers? Are they going to play their zone coverages and let Rob Gronkowski catch you know eight passes for 130 yards and two touchdowns? Or are some of those things we heard in the offseason? Are they going to go with some more man looks? Are they going to make oh, You guys heard about more? that up there. <laughs> oh, that was a big talking point. Since, um, they've been talking would, about it back here since March. You, you wouldn't believe how much Patriots fans just love to mock the idea that, that Mike Tomlin is overmatched and Dick LeBeau, how, as great as he was over the years, was overmatched and they did what they do and then Brady did what he did to that defense and you know, I think that's the one fear that, that Patriots fans have is that the Steelers are different now. They're going to play it differently, um, which I think is fine and dandy. I think the Patriots' biggest fear right now should be, can we stop those weapons? Those weapons are healthy. As you mentioned, uh, you know, I'm assuming Le'Veon Bell is not going to limp off early in the game. Can they stop Brown, Roethlisberger, Bell? And oh, by the way, an offense that now seems to have more complementary weapons in the passing game, and this is a defense – the first month of the season, this pass defense was the worst I've ever seen in New England. I've been around this team since 2000, by far the worst it has ever been. It was embarrassing. They're more competitive now, but I still think there's a lot of yards to be had by opponents. Andy, what, what makes Miami so special? Why, why do they seem to be able to, to do things to the Patriots no other team in the NFL does with relative frequency? Can they teach that to us? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because Brady often points to, well, you know, they've been a pretty good team over the years, but they're not a great team this year. Even, you know, even their star players, they've played better of late, but Sue and Wake have not been playing at their elite level. You know, this isn't the days of Sertan and Madison where they had the shutdown corners that would give Brady so many problems, and Jason Taylor would eat Matt Light's lunch. Um, they traded the Jai away. They traded They have Jay Cutler as their quarterback. I mean, does Jay Cutler suddenly become good because he's a Dolphin? No. Uh, but Sunday, he looked good. He didn't make the mistakes. They didn't turn the ball over. He took advantage of, of what was there. Um, but I think in reality, this was a, a unique situation. This was a one-off in this series where they didn't turn the ball over. You turned the ball over. But more importantly, you can't stop the run. They owned the trenches on both sides of the football. Um, you had Kenyon Drake rushing for a buck fifteen. He almost had another 100 receiving. You know, they have, they have trouble with running backs out of the backfield, which, you know, if you've watched all year, Kareem Hunt and these guys have eaten them up, and now they're going against arguably the, the best two-way running back, most versatile running back in football. Um, so if you're a Steelers fan, I think there's a lot of reason at home um, to be positive about this matchup. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is the two things. History, the Patriots have had a lot of success against the Steelers, and the, the Tom Brady bounce back. You know, you already had it yesterday on, on national stories. Oh, this is the beginning of the end for Tom Brady. He's about to fall off the cliff. He had a bad game, blah, blah, blah. Well, just so you know, usually when he comes back from those, he throws for about 370 with three <laughs> touchdowns, no interceptions. Usually has a, a rushing first down where he spikes the ball emphatically and screams. So, you know, I've seen this story before. And does he get particularly motivated that way when he's playing a Roethlisberger or a Russell Wilson or, you know, a named quarterback that uh, is perceived to be approaching his level? I don't think it's, it's as much that. I mean, this guy is motivated all the time. I mean, he took a lot of heat around here for that sideline exchange with Josh McDaniels a couple weeks yeah. ago. And, and that's against, you know, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he certainly isn't threatened by Tyrod Taylor's <laughs> resume or, or being shown up by Tyrod Taylor. Um, I really firmly believe that's, that's the root of his greatness, is he 
is as competitive as anyone at all times, whether that is in the stupid bucket drill they do with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett in June. He's going to win it, and if he doesn't win it, he gets pissed off and it ruins his day. He is uh, he's sort of a, a baby in that way, and you, you talk to his dad, and it's, you know he was throwing golf clubs at the age of seven and freaking out if he missed a putt. I mean, that's, that's who he's been his entire life, and I think part of that is what's fueled, fueled his greatness. Yes. Really hope we ruin his Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Petulance is fuel. <laughs> That's, uh, can, I you, can I ask you guys a question ahead. real quick? Go ahead. You want to know us. The maturity of this football team that, that you guys bring to the field on Sunday, if they win, which they're at home and they're a good football team with a better record, there's no reason to believe they can't win. If they win, do you think that makes it more or less likely that they would be able to win the follow-up if they met again in the postseason in terms of their attitude and maturity? I would think they handle it. I think they're pretty mature. I think Tomlin's done a really good job of managing situations. They've had a lot of extraneous crap here going back to the Anthem stuff in early September and uh, guys wanting to be traded and guys knocking over Gatorade jugs. and uh, it, mm-hmm. It's been seemingly one distraction after another, and they have stayed focused. I think their biggest issue is if they lose, then it's just another one on top of the pile of losses to Belichick and Brady. And, and, and the bigger fear would be doubt creeping in as opposed to the handling of success. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I think, I'm hoping this is a – I'm like Tomlin. I've been looking forward to this game all year, and I'm looking forward to a rematch in January. Yeah, he, he called it the elephant in the room when he talked with Dungy about New England three weeks in advance. And down here, the Patriots are the elephant. They've been sitting on the Steelers' head since 2000. <laughs> all right, we got to go, Andy. Tell Tommy Boy to drink lots of water. It's supposed to warm up. We don't want him to get sunburned. <laughs> well, he can't get sunburned. He can't get hurt. He can't get sunburned. Yeah, he's he immune to everything. Well, yeah, because he, right. he doesn't eat uh, uh, mushrooms. Or whatever. Yeah, that's right. He <laughs> sleeps with some fungus mask. I don't know. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate My it. My pleasure. Anytime, right, we'll see you. Live from the McDonald Studios, I'm loving it. This is WDVE Pittsburgh. Feeling down or sick, boys? Well, it could be the man flu. A Canadian researcher says it's real. Research published in the BMJ Medical Journal says men are more susceptible to complications than a woman. Plus, a man's immune system may just naturally be weaker. The term man flu is sometimes (laughs) used for men exaggerating their symptoms when sick from a cold or other minor illness. Other scientists say there's too little evidence to say man flu actually exists. But this doctor says men suffer from symptoms that are worse. They last longer. And uh, you're more likely to be hospitalized and even more likely to die from the flu. Can you send me a link to this article? (laughs) (laughs) Next time I get a sniffle and I'm laid up for three days, I can actually cite scientific research to to get me out of stuff. I'm a man. I can't take the garbage out. (laughs) Rutgers has a study. (laughs) Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. That was Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, on the show earlier this morning. Tonight, he'll be a judge in the uh, finals of the open mic comedy contest at the Improv. So if you're looking for some comedy in town tonight, he'll be out there with T-Robe. And a bunch of uh, comics. And a bunch of comics. Go judge Jeff's judging. Yeah. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Improv tonight. Hey, uh, Trenny Kisneric is going to join us at 945. Our f- friend uh, Trenny, who worked here for years in Pittsburgh and has been in Boston for the last six or seven, I think, working for uh, Comcast New England. She'll join us talking Steelers Pats nine forty five behind enemy lines. Yeah, we're going. We're getting deep on this one, Val. What's going on? 
Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast is brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's going to be a cold day today with snow developing late in the day, high temperature 24. Periods of snow tonight that will cause tricky travel, but it winds up by first thing Thursday. Thursday, just some early morning snow showers and a high of 29. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 15 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Falcone's Moon Township Automotive. Tomorrow is the fifth anniversary of the attack on Sandy Hook Elementary School, where 21st graders and six adults were killed. A benefit was held last night to mark the anniversary in New York City by the group Sandy Hook Promise. Over a million dollars was raised at that event at the Plaza Hotel, which was attended by family members of the victims. Numerous celebrities were also on hand, as was former Vice President Joe Biden. Can we clone Mr. Rogers? Because I think we really need a guy like him about now. Well, the Postal Service is going to be honoring the 50th anniversary of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood with a commemorative stamp. According to an article in the Post-Gazette, a mock-up of the Forever stamp shows Mr. Rogers wearing his trademark red sweater along with King Friday uh, on the stamp. There is no release date yet for uh, that stamp, but it's uh, probably going to be sometime next year. A new study suggests hospital patients are more likely to die when treated by a doctor over 60 years old. Researchers at Harvard looked at the records of 730,000 Medicare patients over a three-year period. They found patient deaths rose gradually as physicians aged, with the biggest jump in deaths occurring when doctors were over 60. The study also found, however, that age was not a factor for doctors with heavy caseloads. Researchers believe doctors have a stronger skill set when caring for a large number of patients. Google says Hurricane Irma was the most popular search of 2017. The devastating storm that ravaged the Caribbean and hit Florida led the way both in the U.S. and around the world. Coming in second was Matt Lauer. Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein and actor Kevin Spacey, also the subject of sex abuse claims, joined Lauer in the top people searches for the year. See, Lauer, they said, has uh, he got a few uh, bonus babies bouncing around out there somewhere? No. No. Really? Mm-hmm. When did those drop? Wouldn't be a surprise. I don't know. God, he's. I, I, I'm not surprised the ratings went up because he's just so boring to me. I don't know how he's a human carrot. Like, there's nothing to this guy. <laughs> right. I don't know how he rose as far as he did. I don't know. I'll tell you how. He had great co-hosts. Yeah. Katie Couric made him better. Mm-hmm. Meredith Vieira made him better and because they were so talented. And then when he got with people, you know, who, who weren't capable of carrying dead weight, he turned on them. And now... Um... For two weeks in a row, the ratings, they're beating Good Morning America, which they hadn't before. Yeah. And the initial I thought was, well, the ratings have gone up, of course, because of the scandal. But now we're in the second week. So I think people have probably turns out be tuning in for that reason at, the, at this point. Turns out if you get rid of a cancer, maybe some of the other people who are working there will be able to establish a rapport and uh, actually get Flourish. people to, to like the show. Yeah. We 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 gotta stop Carson Daly before he ever grows to full blown maturity. You don't. <laughs> you really. He's the next monster. He's the next carrot. Why do you? Why do you say that? Because I think he has no discernible skills. No personality. Oh, I, I won't. He, he's disagree. He, yeah. He's like uh, watching paint dry he's in human form. Pablum. Pablum. I would like to apologize to the National Carrot Council for sullying their vegetable. Yeah, 
Carrots get a bad rap in relation to Matt Lauer. Well, speaking of those uh, accused of sexual, uh, inappropriate sexual behavior in a related story, Los Angeles police say they are investigating allegations that director Roman Polanski molested a child in 1975 when she was 10. Can't you just go get that guy and throw him in jail? Apparently they can't. The L.A. Times reports the case can't be prosecuted because the statute of limitations has expired. The communications director for the police department says it is committed to investigating such claims because even if charges can't be brought, evidence could aid in other cases. At least six women have accused the movie director of sexually abusing them. Most say it occurred when they were minors. Polanski lives as a fugitive in Paris and efforts to get him returned to L.A. have failed. Polanski remains active in the film industry and is still a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which didn't they boot Harvey Weinstein? Immediately. So why can't they boot him, too? Is there a statute of limitations on, like, civil suits? Uh, That I don't know. Because it seems to me like they, if they were, you know, still investigating these things, that that information will be pertinent to mm, a civil lawsuit. Yeah. yeah, I think until this point, the academy has been doubling down on. They made a judgment call in the early two thousands that they were cool with Polanski and gave him an Oscar for Horrible. for the pianist. Yeah. Um. And and it was this very weird moment where he got the award, obviously wasn't there, and got a standing ovation. So I think until now, they've essentially been going, I guess that's our position. I don't think that'll last too much longer. Oh, I think the Oscars are going to change drastically. I think um, I think a lot of stuff is going to change out there. Although the Golden Globes didn't give you a ton of hope uh, in terms of you know some of the nominations. They completely excluded women directors. Yeah, that's uh, that was the shocking thing to me. Where this was the this was the year where you could have had an all female ballot. That's a little bit of a stretch, but there certainly should have been nominations for Dee Reese, for Mudbound, and for Greta Gerwig, for Lady Bird. And they put out this all male ballot. They ignored the Big Sick completely. They ignored Mudbound almost completely. Uh, what happened was the uh, the Academy tried to diversify their ranks and were pretty successful, giving especially seeing Moonlight beat La La Land when La La Land is the most Oscar bait movie that has ever been made. So the fact Annoyingly that, so. Yeah. So the fact that Moonlight uh, eventually ended up beating it. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Which was just so... <laughs> they, the most hold beautiful on a second. way to hold do it. Hold on a second. Yeah. We messed up. So uh, they Steve the Harvey did. I have a, I have a legitimate question uh, yeah. that... that um, I, I'm not sure if it's like sexist or whatever. I, I'm just looking for the answer. Why do you have best actor and best actress, but you have only one director. And if, if that being the case, why shouldn't it just be best actor, woman or man? Or best acting. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, best performance. Um, I think that that is a very good question, and I think that eventually that will go away. The reason to hang on to, for, to it for now is because you don't want years where no females are nominated, which certainly would happen um, mm-hmm. in some awards. Um, you know, that's you, you have to go back to when these awards were established, when there were actors and actresses in movies. There was no such thing as a female director, you know, <laughs> right. in the early days right. of the Academy. When the house was built, there was no need for that <laughs> distinction on the rooms. Right. I think I think it goes back to that. I think it'll go away eventually, but if you did that tomorrow, 
you'd have an Oscars coming up soon where, oh, no women are nominated for anything this year because that's the, the pace at which uh, this change moves. Where is the next generation of rockers going to come from? Well, a New Jersey baby products company yeah. called Daffils has one idea, get them hooked on rock merchandise before they can even walk. They've signed licensing deals with about a half dozen of rock's most iconic artists, and they are now marketing a line of strollers emblazoned with the cover art of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, one with the Pantera logo, sippy cups featuring the Beatles' yellow submarine, the Grateful Dead logo over a pattern of dancing teddy bears in a psychedelic color, and the Who's old Union Jack design, mirror toys featuring band logos babies can stare at, along with their own reflections. Coming soon, they'll have bibs that uh, have Jimi Hendrix and Elvis on. Those products are on sale at Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Amazon.com. I, I don't like that. The <laughs> idea that is like turning your baby into a product placement. Because they the are baby... very colorful. I looked them up. They're very colorful, like, you know, to entertain kids. and Don't get your babies on the Grateful Dead. I mean, do you need... The scent of patchouli and diapers mingling. <laughs> I was looking for Christmas gifts the other day, and there were little kid, little boy size ACDC t-shirts. I'm like, if that was my kid, I would totally buy that. But yeah, I mean, my sister did that with her kids. I think you know they had like Ramon shirts and everything yeah. in ACDC, and you just project your own sort of like this is a super hip cool kid, and you know you have no way of knowing what they're. And that at. kid could be a total loser. Right. You don't know. <laughs> If you want to, if you want to make a Blake Shelton fan, put a Ramones T-shirt on him when he's one. <laughs> right. He's going to go the other That's way. A great point. Oh, yeah. Eddie Van Halen's son Wolfgang <laughs> is sharing a preview of his upcoming solo album. The Van Halen bassist is playing all the instruments on the project and doing vocals as well. The clip appeared on social media with the caption: "A sneak peek to start your week." Here's a little sample. It's a very little sample. Yeah, it's a tiny uh, sample. Eddie Van Halen so previously weird. said the record blew his mind. We'll find out. Today, to wrap up the news, <laughs> is National Ice Cream Day. What are the most popular flavors for teenagers? It's mint chocolate chip. Young adults, it's... Mint for- chocolate chip? Really? I know. For I would teenagers? expect that to be for old people, yeah. but young adults, it's cookies and cream. Maybe that's like the uh, thin mint, maybe because... Right. Know. Uh, for those over 35, it's plain old chocolate. Hot fudge, the most popular topping for ice cream. Caramel is second. Whipped cream and brownies tied for third, followed by chocolate syrup. And 80% of Americans prefer ice cream over frozen yogurt. Do you ever feel like you get your ice cream fix with a frozen yogurt with a, one of those substitute ice cream type things? You know Never. what I'm talking about? Never. If it's good, yeah. Like, sometimes it's too creamy. Ice, sometimes it's too ice chippy when it's, like, See, fake. Yeah, I like that. Like the old ice milk yeah. from the 70s. Right. I'm all right with that Halo Top stuff. Yeah, everybody's... Tr- that's that's yeah, yeah. what I'm what getting at. That? That's not... Eh. What is that? I don't know what... I mean, it, it's it's like a light ice cream. It's very low in calories. I only had calories or It's like 160 calories yeah. for the pint. And it's it. I had the salted caramel, and it was fine. It was fine. I ate it, ate it beginning to end <laughs> nope. on my couch that alone. Now give me a, give me some Briars, uh, Rocky Road, a full G of it, <laughs> dude. I, I, I like the Ben and Jerry's. I grew I, up on high school. My dad 
was had an ice cream problem, like Run an ways. issue with it. And every night, my dad would eat a huge bowl. Dad's huge on the bowl cream again. Of heavenly hash. <laughs> oh, and, that's awesome. So that was his jam, was heavenly hash. And every night, he'd watch the news with a big thing of heavenly hash. And so there was always a ton of ice cream in my freezer. That was the one indulgence that we always had. Ton of ice cream. But then it would melt. He'd leave it out on the counter. It would melt. Oh. And then it so would turn. That weird ring so when you put it back it. in, it would never regain the same consistency. Plus, it was like an off-off brand. It he wasn't buying. Good, yeah. Smooth. Yeah. See, I don't need it. Maybe that's why I'm okay with Halo Top. But I it, might only have ice cream four times a year, oh, so no, it doesn't was, matter to me. It was a big deal. So yeah. then it, we started just calling it goop because we were like, ah. <laughs> uh, so we it became heavenly goop. Yeah. <laughs> we were way ahead of Palcho. No stone, vagina stones. <laughs> well, it was all ice left cream. Unturned? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that oh we yeah. should have gone through no, a list of things Gwyneth Paltrow has for Christmas gifts ideas this year. On the on first goop. day of Christmas, <laughs> my true love gave to me. I just had the Penn State ice cream for the first. Oh, the creamery. Oh, yeah. That's okay, the best. Because. Tim's so working in State College, so in fact, he brought a two-half-gallons home last night. The chocolate chip is the greatest. That's uh, I, I had classes up by, uh, in the forum by there, and he'd walk past it, and you could not go in and get one. They're so flipping good. Pretty good. I used to love at, at Eaton Park, my favorite was they used to have the tin roof sundae, mm-hmm. and it was in a it's something about ice cream in a metal, metal yeah. container that made it so good, yeah. but it was it was vanilla ice cream, peanuts, like salty peanuts, mm-hmm. chocolate drizzle. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. And whipped cream. All right. We got to go. So good. Oh, okay. Uh, snowy, mid-20s today. It's 14 now at DVE. Mike's talking Steelers Pats next. From the PHIRPros.com Weather Center. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta. Steelers. Pats. Sunday. Trenny Kisnerik is going to join us uh, at 945 from behind enemy lines. Comcast uh, New England. And I I don't care what anybody says up in New England. This game makes them nervous. This is the one game where they kind of get to buckle down and think, all right, this is going to be a heavyweight matchup. I wonder. I wonder. It's uh, it's pretty heavily tilted in their favor. Yeah. Oh, I know, but that, but unlike say like Pitt, Penn State, or something like that, which all right, I'm probably going to get lambasted for that comparison. I really think that they still think the only team that can get them is is the Steelers. And if they didn't have injuries last year, I'm going to say two if things. they had Martavis Bryant, if 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 who cares. If I'm them, I'm not saying this is how they think because I don't know. But if I'm them, I'm thinking Pittsburgh. They think they're going to beat us. They always think they can. They beat always us, think they're going to they beat us. They never do, and they never do. Thanks. They diced us with yeah. a lacrosse player from Penn State. Speaking yeah. of Penn State, we got the coach who figures them out. We got the quarterback who beats their ass, yeah. and they always have an excuse. Oh, they didn't have Le'Veon. Oh, they didn't. Have, they're not having Shazier. Well, who's it's always something with those Pittsburgh guys. Well, if I'm them, that's what I'm thinking. Steelers have the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, Big Ben. Well, I don't get them. Just named staying that. in their drawers. Well, it wasn't <laughs> meant to be characterized that way, but I guess yeah. 
And I, I would add that I don't think that's necessarily the correct way to think, but if I'm them, that's how I would be thinking. If I'm the Steelers, I'm thinking, you know what? This offense is pretty damn good. You got to deal with us. Let's see how much of a genius this guy really is. That's why this is just so incredible. This is not a lot of towns get regular season games like this. No. At this no. time of the year, where it's literally for the first seed overall. You know, Jacksonville and Tennessee are going to play at the end of the year, and they're both going to be really jazzed up because the, their division will probably be on the line, their division title. But uh, it pales in comparison to Pittsburgh, New England, and Mike Tomlin knows it. Man, I, I, I love it. You know, um, it's good to be in big games. It's better to be in big games than ones that nobody's watching. You know, um, we we better we better be appreciative of of this spot and not resist it in any way, but embrace it um, because this is what we've been fighting for since March. You know, to be in these type games against these type people, um, why would you fight that? Um, it's an awesome thing. Yeah, that's very well said. I've been playing that soundbite all morning because I just love the tone that that sets and, and the attitude that the Steelers are taking into this game. It's a playoff game in the regular season. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. I want to ask Trenny about that. Except it's not do or die. The, right. No, and neither team wants to show their full hand. Although, it might be a little more important to New England because of the loss Monday night. That doesn't necessarily affect the the Pittsburgh game. New England still has to beat the Steelers to get where it wants to go. But if the Patriots should lose, now they got to worry about the Jaguars and the bye. And to me, the bye is a much bigger deal than home field throughout the AFC playoffs. I think mm-hmm. I, I think going on the road and winning the championship game is more doable than having to get through that first round and then two more. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, what they have, they finish this, their season out with two divisional games. I think they have Buffalo and New York. I think you're like right. Like Buffalo and the Jets. I think you're right on that. Yeah. And I think Jacksonville's got uh, Houston, Indy, and Tennessee, or something like that. Something soft. Uh, Stefan Tuit on uh, DVE last night, uh, Steelers Huddle, as he is every Tuesday with Jerry Dulac and Dale Lawley. And uh, one of the things uh, Stefan talked about was the Steelers' continued uh, contact with injured linebacker Ryan Shazier. Well, I've seen him a couple times. Um, I was actually there today with you know Cam, and we gave him the T-shirt, we gave him the football, you know, we gave him the hat. So you know, we got a chance to see him today. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, he's doing great. You know, I love the smile on his face, and he's still Ryan Shazier. You know, he still want to be involved. He's still yeah. like the middle linebacker. He want to know everything was going right. on. He <laughs> want to know what everybody's doing. But I think he's, uh, you know, he's responding very well to the situation that he is in, and that's the only thing you could do. That's the only thing you could be like. And it's awesome that he got so much support, so much support. I think Pittsburgh is doing a great job giving him support. His family doing a great job giving him support. It, uh, us as teammates, I think everybody's doing a good job. And last but not least uh, from Stefan, uh, the game will be in Heinz Field against New England, which means probably going to hear Renegade at some point. And the phenomenon that Renegade has become, uh, hey, I'll be upfront about this. I'm not a fan of Sticks. I'm not a fan of that song. But the Steelers nation loves it. They love it. Heinz Field loves it. And love the it. Steelers players love it. They played it against Baltimore. The Steelers had just kicked a field goal. 12-16 left in the fourth quarter. A a goal line uh, red zone failure turned into a field goal. 
So it was 31-23 Ravens with 12-16 left. The Jumbotron went black. And then uh, a renegade laced with Ryan Shazier highlights was what followed. Here's how uh, Stefan Tuitt and the Steelers reacted to that. Well, you just feel the momentum shift. That's what I love about sports. You can really feel the momentum shift. We really needed that. Now, at the time of my head, I was like, we don't even deserve to listen to this right now. <laughs> We're not even doing all this bad stuff. I'm like, we don't even deserve to listen to this. But at the same time, we actually did because everybody reacted very well to that. Now, we get back on that feeling. We become dominant again. We became, we got that burst of energy. We got that life. You know, as a defense, when a team is scoring on you and, you know, you're trying your best to do different things, you know, that could kind of suck the life out of you a little bit. But, you know, when they play Renegade, and I'm telling you, you feel the players. You can look in everybody's eyes. It, they, it just became more energetic. You know, everybody became, you could just feel the shaking. Everybody's just ready to get back out there. It was just like 11 guys who had rabies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's beautiful. Rabies. He? I hope uh, he does that show next year. 11 guys with rabies. That's what it's going to take to beat Brady. Rabies. Tom Rabies. He drinks so much water, he can't get rabies. Joe Hayden, according to Mike Tomlin, will be on the practice field this week. He's in the discussion. That's how Tomlin characterized Hayden's potential availability. He might have rabies. Now, here's some, here's something to think about when uh, you're thinking about this game. Do you play Joe Hayden, or do you save that in your back pocket and say, okay, no, whatever happens Sunday happens, and then we uh-uh. pull out the press man in January? Now you give him, you give him reps. I want to see him out there. When we come back, Trenny Kisnerik from New England, Comcast Sports, talking Steelers, Patriots, going behind enemy lines with a former Pittsburgh sports reporter. She's calling live from the Death Star. Yep. Yeah, she, uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a parallel to Star Wars. Does anybody go from the good side over to the bad side and uh, stick around over uh, there? Yeah. I don't know. but Anakin I think- Skywalker. Oh, okay. Lando. Steelers are going to have to go into uh, ludicrous speed to get this done. <laughs> Trenny's up next. That's my- it's the DV Morning Show, Randy Bauman, and we're welcoming our friend Trenny Kisnerik uh, on the line right now from uh, Comcast Sports New England. What's up? How are you? I'm well. We are no longer Comcast Sports New England. Knew- now we're NBC Sports Boston. Jesus, I can't keep track of you guys. I know. We've changed our name. I've been here five years. We've changed our name like four times. But you ha- I think this is it, though. I think the NBC brand is it. I think this, I think we've reached our where we're, we're going to stay. You haven't Maybe. changed your name, though. You are still Trenny. No. <laughs> You're I'm still Trenny on the block. I still, long, I still have a long-ass Polish last name. Yeah, I haven't changed. I love that you kept your long-ass Polish last name. Well, you know, you can take the kid out of Scani, but you can't take the Scani out of the kid. Let me ask you this, Trenny. You know this dynamic between these two teams right now. It drives me up the wall the way that the, the, the Patriots have the Steelers number. It's like the Penguins and the Capitals, the Capitals. except we're the Capitals. And I don't like that feeling at all. Uh, is there any sort of sense in New England that, okay, the Steelers are the team. This is the obstacle for us. Or are the Steelers just another bump in the road? I mean, I think if you ask the players, they'd say, nope, this is a big game. This is when we have to win. We know how big it is. I think if you ask, you know, pundits and journalists and people who talk about sports for a living, they'd say this is just a bump in the road and that they're not buying in. Until the Steelers prove that they can beat the Patriots, 
you know, I, I think that they look at it and say, prove it to me, because you haven't been able to do it in the past. Um, and I think it's due in large part that every, I don't, I don't, I, I've never understood why more teams don't, and I know that we all hate Baltimore in Pittsburgh, but don't sort of employ a Baltimore mindset, which is screw you. I don't care that you're the Patriots and you have five Super Bowls and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. We're coming at you and we're not afraid of you. For whatever reason, when teams play the Patriots, they poop all over themselves. Mm. They do the dumbest thing. <laughs> no, no. They make unforced the errors. Unforced errors all the time. And if you can, if the Steelers can minimize that, if they can go out there and play their game, particularly on offense, this should be a really good game because the Patriots are are not as good as this isn't the best Patriots team that we've seen in New England. Well, they seem to be getting better defensively while the Steelers seem to be getting worse. That is yeah. a worrisome trend. Well, lucky for you though, the Patriots offense has sputtered. So they, you know, they they Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown in in Buffalo, um, even with Rob Gronkowski on the field. Um, and obviously, I'm sure you guys all watched the game, or at least part of it, and I need to get up early, part of it on Monday night between the Dolphins, and the Dolphins found a way to um, get to Tom Brady and make him uncomfortable. And I think if the, if the Steelers' defense can do that, because Tom Brady is not, and this, you know, this is no secret, the guy's not totally healthy. He's been on the injury report, I think, the last four weeks with an Achilles and it's not just the Achilles. If you go back and like take a look at some of the tweets that are coming out from the guys that cover the team and the girls that cover the team, you know, day in and day out, he's been shaking that right hand every once in a while. His throw, his accuracy hasn't been great. His throws have been low, high. He's overthrowing or underthrowing receivers. Uh, I think the Achilles is bothering him more than you realize because he's not able to plant and really get his footing. So. It, listen, this team is ripe for the picking. And also, I'm not sure if you guys have followed this storyline, but guru Alex Guerrero, you know, Tom Brady's little Mr. Miyagi. Oh, that weirdo dude? Yeah. Yeah, the weirdo dude that, like, made up the, the cancer stuff. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a total he's, quack. Yeah, he's a phony, a fraud. Yeah. Yes, total crock, total snake, snake oil salesman. So, normally he travels with the team. Well, he wasn't in Buffalo, and he wasn't in Miami. Oh, it's and, in his head. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there, there are some of, like, Malcolm Butler. There's this stuff about how Malcolm Butler was, like, retweeting pro football-focused statistics that, you know, basically saying to the coaches, why did we why did we employ this kind of defense against Miami? It didn't work. It, there, wow. There are some. That's a little mute. That's mutiny-like stuff yeah, there in, in the Belichick mutiny. regime. Yes, yes. And people, are, people from the beginning of the season have looked at this team and said, this has shades of 2009, and 2009 was a team, a Patriots team that wasn't great and that just did, never came together, and that has been talked about all season. So this team is ripe for the picking. It's just, you know, my question is, can your team, can the Steelers, can it keep it together? Because they also kind of let their emotions get the best of them sometimes, and it drives them to make mistakes. And that's when they poop themselves and then they lose. Yeah. Hi, Pursuta. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing, Trenny? I love that that's the first thing you say, and then they poop themselves. Yeah. I love that things don't change. <laughs> they roker. <laughs> they roker themselves. No, I mean, she made yeah. a good point. Teams, it, it was what you were talking about yesterday, the intimidation factor it's of playing like, these well, guys is yeah. real. Everybody screws up. It's like playing Michael Jordan. You guys think you have to be perfect, and the then when you're yeah. not perfect, you fall apart. Exactly. You, you, it's like you go out of your way, like you're thinking, don't let Brady, you know, you know Brady does the thing that Aaron Rodgers does, right, where he tries to, call, where he tries to draw a team off sides. And the team's like, don't go off sides, don't go off sides. And what do they do? They jump off sides. 
So it's it's like you can't go in with that mindset. You have to go in with, with the mentality that Miami went in with. We can beat you. We know how to beat you. And on offense, I don't, I don't also, we talked about this yesterday on our show, like why do offenses not do what Carolina did in week four and what the Dolphins did on Monday night, which is confuse the Steelers, or the, excuse me, I say the Steelers because I worked in Pittsburgh for so long, confuse the Patriots' defense by using those bunch formations and then having guys just like spread out because that, that doesn't allow the, the biggest issue the Patriots defense has had early in the season and why they weren't great was they couldn't communicate. And when you do a bunch formation and then just kind of move and have receivers sort of scatter, you take away Stefan Gilmore's ability to be a, just a like one-on-one man cover corner. So communication becomes an issue and, and you're taking away Gilmore's strength and that's the strength of that defense. So if I'm the Steelers, I look at what Miami did. I look at what Carolina did. I look at what Kansas City did. And that's how you beat the Patriots. Trenny Kostarek from NBC Sports Boston. Is that, that's what it is? Yeah, there you right, go. Good deal. There you go. I know you got to go catch a plane. Long, I do. I have to go cover a mixed doubles curling trials in Blaine, Minnesota. Are you going to come to the game uh, Sunday? Are you going to tweet that? No. I'm going to sweep that. No, I'm 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 on an NBC assignment. I'm going to South Korea. I'm covering I'm the curling reporter in South Korea for the Olympics. So I've got trials. I've got Olympic trials. Oh, right on. Wow. Get get your curling on. All right. Well, that's, that's a good good assignment. You know, provided we actually go to the Olympics. Curling. Are you going to the Olympics if the United States doesn't? Uh, I'm fairly certain the United States is going to the Olympics. I even heard otherwise. Did Robert Kraft tell you that after Putin whispered it to him through their walkie-talkie rings? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Like a little. Ooh, that's a good conspiracy. That's PFT theory. commenter. That's not me, but uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he uh, he he was on the show a couple weeks ago saying that, and I think it's probably true. You're I kind of like it. I like yeah. that conspiracy. Robert theory. Kraft and Putin are in cahoots. Okay, collusion. Hey, Trenny, if you're going to cover curling, don't forget your curling iron. Oh my god. Ah, uh, but um, bump. Oh, well, you're all set to end all the show, right. Trenny. Now I got to do circles. I know. Until we figure out a better way to land. Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, there's a little bit of fog on the runway. All right. Hey, uh, safe travels. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. That's Trenny Kostarek. He did the icky shuffle after that. Because <laughs> he's excited. Because we're walking out of here. Oh, and very we're excited. Going to Jurgles. The That's Christmas right. party is tonight. You already know about it. Get Merry your ass Christmas. there early. Starts at 7 o'clock. Doors are at 6. Thanks to uh, Andy Hart from Patriots.com. Merrill Hodge. He was great. Merrill Hodge. You can tell how fed up he is with Belichick. and having, <laughs> You know, he's like, this guy, it's such a pain in the ass trying to cover this stupid, overly serious jag. Uh, also, thanks he to. Uh, five Super Bowl wins. I don't care. He's still a. Do you want to hang out with oh, him? He's a jag. No. Yeah, right. He's miserable. Like, the guy wins a Super Bowl and then he goes, we're thinking about next year. At the at, at the celebration party, you know, after the fact, he he sucks. We're moving uh, on to the off season program. Yeah, that's great. The fans, I mean, I'm sure I would love him if he was my coach, but he sucks. Thanks to uh, <laughs> Jeff Conkle, he'll be at the Improv tonight, judging the open mic finals there. And uh, also thanks to Dave Bracey, he'll be part of the big New Year's Eve comedy showcase at the Byam Theater as part of First Night Pittsburgh. John Evans, uh, Wally Barham, and uh, of course Dave will be on the bill, so don't miss that. Great. Sean Collier, great review of uh, of uh, Star Wars. You loved it. Liked it a whole lot. So I, I will not bother you this weekend, uh, but I will tell you to come out and see me on December 30th at Arcade Comedy Theater. 
Going to headline a, a great showcase there. Molly Sherrow is coming back to town for that one as well. You can get tickets now at ArcadeComedyTheater.com. Anything? Anything? Yeah, I just wanted to remind people one last time, I'm going to be with Jimmy Schubert, the great... Oh, yeah! yeah. The legend Jimmy Schubert at the Pittsburgh Improv, December 28th through the 31st. So we will be doing a New Year's show, but there's a couple other uh, shows as well. Two Friday, two Saturday, and then the Sunday show. So that's at uh, improv.com. Tomorrow morning, we put together a really cool broadcast for you. The best of 2017 on the DVE morning show. Our favorite moments. We all picked uh, our favorites, and we'll play them for you all morning long. That's tomorrow. That curling joke be in there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sadly, Just no. If, if yeah. we could yeah. edit it, Just but missed. strong candidate for next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shell's up next. Electric lunch <laughs> at noon. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants, Ronald? Ah! Mm-hmm.